All right. Go ahead and say something. Hello. Hello. All right, dude. Not bad, not bad. Let me adjust your mic down a little bit. Is that a comfy distance? Yeah, that's pretty good. Stay about there. Okay, cool. So how you been, dude? I know we did a little bit of catching up before. Uh, it's been it's been good. <clears throat> Life's been uh, pretty fair to me lately. I know you were talking about getting back in the gym after some a rough work schedule. Yeah, it uh it kind of came at a good time though with uh, things coming up this year, so I needed the extra hours, and then uh, I did slack off and missed the gym a little bit, and just getting back into it, and it's going good. Things coming up like bow fishing. What's that? Things coming up like bow fishing things or what? What do you mean when you say <clears throat> things? Uh, just uh, I got a wedding coming up this year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm going to the... your wedding. Don't short. Don't short sell it. It is. It is my wedding. Pretty excited. <laughs> and then uh, Ryan's getting married. <laughs> <laughs> then I got our uh, bachelor party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's gonna be fun, man. Pretty excited. It's gonna be fun. Just a chance to relax. Hang out. Do up north shit. <laughs> yeah, just being up north with everybody will be a good time. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. So, uh <clears throat> I know you said you were a little nervous. What's what's the nervous about? I uh I was just kinda working this up. I haven't threw out a pair of head <laughs> headphones and talked in a mic in a while. Just kinda, okay. That's fair. I just thought maybe you were you know thinking you might say some crazy shit and not be able to back out of it or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which you still might. It's early. Yeah. It's early. Hope I mean, so. fuck, we're two minutes in. Yeah. So what's been going on with all this fucking alien shit? Been following any of that in the news? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The fact that I see it in the news kind of gives me a little doubt in it. I mean... Elaborate. Um, like many conspiracy theories, it's definitely fun to uh, to get involved with, just because it's one of the questions that everyone eventually has in their mind: Are we alone? And uh, I know that uh, Hollywood kind of propped it up quite a bit and made it their own thing for entertainment. And now that you're seeing the news, it's like, well. The government lies about so much stuff, dude, <laughs> that the fact they're bringing it up makes me feel like it's probably not a real thing. Like, they're showing you the left hand, but the right hand's yeah, going to smack you, stab yep. you, doing something. <clears throat> I feel that. I kind of feel like they could be using it to uh, their advantage later for policies. For policy? Yeah, because if you can scare people, you can... You control can, uh, people, man. Yeah, you can put policies in place for more power. Yeah, that's actually kind of deep because yeah, you start you start sprinkling the seeds of fear, and people, you know, they think that they made the decision when really a couple months previous you were playing the long game, man. You're planting those seeds, and uh, you know, wait for shit to blossom. Now, have you been following any specific? Alien incidences, like I know the Commander David Fravor one's pretty compelling because that was a you know pilot commander, yeah, and, and that's something that was recorded, which is 
honestly huge. It's huge. Was that uh the Tic Tac or Tic Tac? The Tic Tac. The yep. Tic Tac, yeah. Um he's pretty I was following a little bit. He's pretty believable. He doesn't sound like he's bullshitting. No, dude. Not at all. And I mean I listen to him uh with Lex Friedman and his one with Joe Rogan and um I mean, he got a little bit more in-depth with Lex Friedman as far as, like, how the tracking, the technology, all that shit works. But, bro, because one of the biggest things is the question, like, we're in 2023 now, you know, your phone has six cameras on it, 100 fucking megapixels, how come we can't get a clear, you know? Actually, there was, um, uh, on the Unexplained Files on Netflix, Bree and I just watched... Uh, about two weeks ago, there was an episode on the lights in Michigan that went actually down by you, Muskegon and shit. I think it was back in like the seventies or eighties. I'd have to double check, but, um, yeah, they recorded that on radar and shit. And the dude was like ostracized, couldn't work in Michigan anymore. Had to move to Georgia, just a bunch of crazy shit. And now, um, you know, now that the whole alien thing is being a little more accepted, it's kind of. I mean, he's back, you know. He's doing research, talking to people that had seen it. And he's act- back in Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing, yeah. I haven't heard about that one. That's dude. Right, right next door. Oh, yeah. I, dude, and here's the crazy thing. Like, there was a couple that said they watched, like, a waterfall. I can't remember. Thousands of feet. Going vertical. Where it looked like it was sucking water out of Lake Michigan. They just saw this column of water going in reverse, and it's like, I don't know, dude. We see all the shit over the ocean, allegedly, right? right. We, we see, air, I mean, even think of like the old sailor stories, you know, where they would see these craft, they'd write them down in their logs, you know. Oh, fuck, I think it might have even been Columbus that said he saw, or his ship saw one that like went underwater fairly close to him and this was four or five hundred years ago you know and it's on the log he he didn't know it you know right i mean we're seeing them in renaissance paintings and shit what are your thoughts on that about about the aliens or the ufos man um i okay i think it's I think they're a thing, for one. Have I ever explained to you the bag of sugar argument? I think you have, but okay, you can do it again. I'll, I'll go back over it. Okay, so let's say you take a five-pound bag of sugar and you set it in the middle of a gym, okay, right on the fucking half-court line. Yep. And then you have, or you even, so you, you could have Hanson come up and just fucking boot that bitch. Boot it. Just fucking boom. <laughs> Boom. Motherfucker explodes. Yep. Three points lands. Boom. Gone. Right. <laughs> and it's good. So then you have you have um sugar everywhere, right? But obviously the closer to the point of impact is gonna be more sugar. It's more dense. Right. Let's now let's say that's the big bang, that bag of sugar. As everything spreads out, it's gonna thin. Right. You could find fucking if the doors are up you know, open outside underneath the basketball court, you could find a fucking couple grains of sugar right. all the way outside, you know? And they could be 
10 feet away from another grain right compared to impact right and right around it dude you'll be able to sweep that shit up you know what i mean there's going to be a pile but what i'm getting at is if that was the big bang that impact on that bag of sugar the closer to the big bang is going to be more dense matter you know so you have a higher mix of elements things that we've never seen you're in a denser area of space where things are probably going to happen quicker like life like carbon based life and if you had a civilization that formed as far away or as far far out as we are where it's relatively thin space why couldn't and why wouldn't something form in that denser area and if it did it would be literally millions of years advanced now let's say you take that life form they learn how to get off their planet and now they know how to travel space right you would never recognize what that was you would be here you would be seeing what you would think would be life let's just assume it was carbon based but they would be millions of years advanced they would have different technology that have access to different elements and to me that's kind of what ties into like some of the ancient archaeology, not archaeology, architecture and shit. Like, um, what is it, Saxe Homan, where the fucking stones look like they were heated and molded? Like, you can't fit paper between them, motherfuckers. Dude. Right. It's like, yeah, like some of that shit. How would you do that? I think it would take a technology or some sort of elemental thing that we don't have access to here that somebody brought and either tried to reboot civilization after you know, maybe some sort of asteroid impact or something. I don't know, but to answer your question, I think it's a thing. I think aliens exist. Do you think they are carbon-based? Fuck, man. You have no idea. I think there's all sorts of aliens. I think there's carbon-based. I think there's fucking silicone-based. I mean, you can't create or destroy energy, right? So... The way I kind of see it, it's like, well, okay, so let me ask you this, because I don't really want, I could do it, I could just fucking branch off in a hundred different directions, so let me ask you this. Aliens, let's assume that they're a thing, okay, and we're not the only life in this vast universe, and even if there's multiple universes, let's assume we're not the only life. What would the point of life be? What do you think the point of life would be? Is. While I sip this coffee. I don't. (laughs) You're saying if we weren't alone, what would the point of life be? No, just in in general. In general, what's the point of life? Yeah, what is. Um, Like, you know, some people. I've thought about it so much, but I've yet to come up with, uh, with an answer because there's so many theories. And they all hold hold weight that it pulls you in all sorts of directions. I mean, people always, you hear them, you know, what's my purpose? Find your purpose. There's always a purpose. And, you know, they might point to your individual life. They might point to helping humanity as a whole as being your purpose. But if that's the case, to help humanity as a whole, then... Why would it stop there, right? Why would it not be 
help the universe as a whole. Help your right. planet, help your solar system, help your universe. I mean, I've thought about it quite a bit, too. And uh, honestly, dude, it's going to sound woo-woo. It's going to sound foo-foo lame. But what I think is um, we are the universe being self-aware. Okay. There's almost, I can't even put a number on the amount of creatures, right, that have a form of life. Some like a wasp might be semi-robotic, right? Right. They ants, right? But they still work together in a way that we can't really explain. Yeah, as a uh, they say, hive mind. Right. Um, basically, yes. it could be with a colony. They all uh, share some sort of intelligence that we can't understand, where they can communicate with each other over miles. Dude, <clears throat> yes, exactly, exactly. And then there's us, where we have thoughts come in our head. Consciousness. Right. Yeah, we're aware that we're alive. You can't say that about every animal. Right. Yeah, the the self-awareness is one thing. But, I mean, have you ever just had a random thought float through your head and you're like, the fuck? I would never do that. Like, be standing on the side of a road waiting for whatever, a ride, and a bus drives by and you're just like... I. I should dive in front of that fucker, but you never will. Or you, you know, you be yeah. on a, be on a boat and be like, "Man, I I should jump in right now," but you know you're not gonna. Or, you know, like the alien thing, you be in the middle of doing something, then just the thought of a fucking "Are we alone?" pops through your mind. You know, just random. I'm just coming up with bad examples, but just random shit that's not affiliated or associated with what you're actually doing. At the time, like task at hand type stuff. I think that's just the universe, man. I think we are literally the universe trying to learn itself and understand itself. I think we're just a brain cell in the universe. And I think that, again, energy can't be created or destroyed. And I think the the total summation of your life gives a certain type of energy that gets dumped back into the universe and maybe gets reused... Ah, fuck, I forgot to silence my phone. Maybe gets reused somewhere where it finds value. Maybe there's just a universal consciousness, like you said, as far as a hive mind, right? How do we know that the universe itself isn't a hive mind? And we're, you know... If, if you're doing an experiment on mice... They don't know you're experimenting on them. Right? But you're gaining data. Right. You're testing theory. And who says we're not that? We're just another fucking thing in a Petri dish. Right? Yep. That's, uh... There's actually a, a lot that says we're in a simulation. There's a lot out there. And when you do Octum's Razor... I think it, it kind of tips the scale in favor of that, in a sense. I, I do love simulation theory as well. That's one of my <clears throat> one of my favorite things, dude. Like that Rick and Morty episode of simulation inside a simulation. Yeah. Inside a simulation. <laughs> yep. But it, uh, it's got to hold weight to the word infinity because 
Um, basically, it's just if it's too overwhelming to think of your creator, you can't even think of your creator's creator. And uh, yeah, I still don't answer the question on where it started, but no, that's valid. That's could, valid. It could help you find where you came from directly. I mean, if we get to that point, but. Well, that's another thing, dude, like <clears throat> faith, right? Let's say Catholicism, Christianity, in order to really, in order to really practice that, any of those religions, you have to operate on the sole foundation of faith, right? Because at some point you're going to come to the question of, well, where'd God come from? Well, you know, where'd Allah come from? You know, right. whoever. And the basis is faith, man. Well, who says, and I guess I haven't heard anybody say it, but what's to say that you can't be faithful that your life doesn't end when your life ends? Excuse me. But rather, it's the beginning. You know what I mean? Like this right. could be, this really could be a test to find out how you handle certain things. And then later on, your energy again is placed where it's more useful. Like if you're a super negative person, high negative energy, X, Y, Z, who says that that negative energy doesn't have a use somewhere in the universe? And the universe is just one, again, trying to not find itself, but trying to um, understand itself a little in certain different ways that obviously we would never understand, but also maybe it has a plan for, you know, certain life forms, certain energies when they're gone from this place or any other place that they exist, that they're used in a way that negative energy could be productive or positive energy could be productive or somebody that's neutral. Maybe they die and they get recycled. You know, maybe that's some of the reincarnation shit. What do you think about that? Reincarnation? Yeah. I think with uh, you've heard those stories, right? With t yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I followed them a little bit, um, and even like with time being relative, I mean, we could, yeah, we could, as quote, die in this world, and it could be a one night dream in our actual life. I mean, you never know what's going to happen when you wake up in the morning. We just get accustomed to what has been happening, but that's. <clears throat> Yeah, that's that's another deep thing because that kind of ties into simulation too, you know. Right. What if we're somewhere else? I mean, this is what we would call physical because we understand this as being our physical body, but what if we're actually on a starship circling the planet and we're just beamed in? Maybe somebody came down here, altered a couple beings, right? You take this monkey, you mix it with your DNA, whatever it is, and then you have this creature that you can all of a sudden assimilate into, right? You're at, you're maybe traveling from one solar system to another. You take a break. You want to get out and explore this planet. So you beam beings from your ship into creatures on the planet where you die, but you don't die, right? You experience right. it. Yep. Kind of like a video game, but... <laughs> And it still it comes back to uh, if that was the case, the purpose of it. 
besides them yeah. trying someone trying to better understand and understand themselves or testing their capabilities it really doesn't uh i don't know why uh someone else would do that for us in a sense as far as make us well here's the thing bro we're thinking about it in a sense that there's a greater creator right a greater being okay you're a welder you're a fabricator what if one day you're able to take flesh and you can fuse it to flesh kind of like you do metals right yeah and instead of building, let's say, a wagon, right? You can build that same wagon out of flesh and bone that has sentience, right? Where instead of having to pull that wagon, the wheels are part of it, right? You just give it a command. You can talk to it like your dog, right? And it does what you need it to. If you were extremely advanced, like in the bag of sugar theory, right? You kick that motherfucker in the middle of the gym. You're super dense. You're super close to that impact. You might have more materials available for your science to progress to a point where you can say, all right, cool, if I take this and I take that, I can breed consciousness. Now, if I take these physical elements, just like we grow fucking ears and noses and shit on mice's backs, right? Right. Or... You can do Petri dish. I mean, fucking, they're cloning babies. You heard of CRISPR, right? Gene altering. Who says they're not doing that shit 10,000 times more advanced somewhere else where they don't even have to build it, right? They say, hey, this life form has exactly the conductivity we need. We can just hop in there, right? It's got a brain. It's got a receiver, right? Let's say the brain. It's, It's picking up these signals. All we got to do is find that signal, hack our way in, and now we control. I mean, you know that parasite that takes over grasshoppers? It literally gets in their brain, walks them off like an end of a leaf, so they jump in the water and drown, and then that parasite fucking crawls out of it because it it needs the water to breed. Yep. Right? Then you also have... It breeds in? In the water. Oh, okay. I didn't know yep. if it bred inside the grasshopper. Honestly, it might. It might. It might. <laughs> okay. uh, dude, down the road, we'll have a producer here that's fucking... Looking the shit we, Yeah, <laughs> fact-checking as we go, because right now it's either we get on the phone and lose track or we fucking... <laughs> I mean, that would make sense, but if it had a conscious and it wanted to do good, um, which nothing says that it does, but let's say it's a group of... Uh, I'm going to say, let's say aliens, but yeah, let's yep. say they create something in their image. Okay. So basically, they can be the highest intelligence out of the hundreds of millions, and basically they're working for them, and that's how they want to they wanna live their life as being um, basically catered to by their creation. Yeah. You, like I was saying in the wagon, dude, you create something that's going to do what you tell it, you know? Yeah. Or think of it like this. I mean. We we make machines that dig, excavators, right? Yeah. You'd have to have a crew of 100 people to dig what an excavator does in a day. Why'd we make that machine? Well, efficiency gain and 
You know, that's going to bring money, but it takes money to build that motherfucker. Gold, dude. They want the gold. <laughs> that's that's another good theory, man. They actually just found a bacteria. I think it's a bacteria that eats some sort of metal specifically, I believe, but it can also eat a combination of, like, iron and shit, and it literally shits gold. Really? Yeah. I don't believe it. <laughs> I swear to God. I swear to God. I swear to God. I'm actually going to take a second. Start breeding them. <laughs> I'm going to take a second and look this up. Be like, which it makes sense because isn't uh, um, isn't lead? It's lead or iron that's pretty close on the um elemental chart. I'm sorry, what, what? I lost you. Lead or uh, or iron is pretty close to gold. Yeah, I think lead's, lead's pretty similar, yeah. yeah. You just got to add or take away a couple electrons or something. Yeah, dude, that's the, whole, that's the whole thing with the alchemy, you know what I mean? Trying to find a combination to spin fucking bullshit metals into gold, man. Like right. Rumpelstiltskin taking straw. I mean, honestly, dude, in theory, if they were here for the gold. They can make diamonds now. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. Have you seen them machines? Dude, yeah. And they've been making them for a while. Yeah. And uh, underneath the scope, they're uh, 100% identical. Yeah, which makes it scary because. They're actually clearer, even, because. what is it? What chemicals in a diamond that the carbon? Uh, no, no. Um, I don't think it's carbon. Like fluoride or something like that. There's something in, in a diamond that uh, takes away its clarity, and when you make them, it's uh, it's got less of a yellowing to it. Hmm. I had to go down that road when I was picking out a ring. Mm-hmm. Jeez, I thought I could walk in and walk out. <laughs> you could have, bro. <laughs> Nothing said you had to walk in and stay a while. Yep. Other than that salesman, bro, you got sold. And what address am I sending this to? Right. Um, motherfucker, I I, I don't even want to try it. Come on, it's fourteen ninety five. Get that visa. First four. <laughs> yep. I know it starts with a four. Yep. That's um. It's kind of exciting though. Getting married. I know you listened to that podcast with Grandma. I did. That was that was literally about a month before uh, you proposed. Yep, I think when right she before asked. that, or right after that podcast, I think I asked you about it a little bit. Yeah, I think you it did, was, actually. It was somewhere around there. I think uh, you stopped by your house, her mom's house there, and I stepped outside and I brought it up to you. Mm-hmm. But, yep, yeah, it was about then. It was about then. Yep, and then uh, it was cool because when we stopped in, we got to show her the ring. Yep. Yep. Remember what she said? No. It's huge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. I still like making jokes about she can't go swimming because she fucking drowned. Dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take her straight to the bottom. Yep. Looking like Quagmire with that fucking... Big arm, dude. <laughs> she 
Jesus, where you been, Craig? I haven't seen you in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, just flexing. <laughs> gonna gonna go get the mail. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's good shit. Good shit. So I don't really have a transition for this, but airboat. Oh yeah, the airboat's getting used I know this you, year. I know you mentioned. I want to use it this year. Yeah, it breaks my heart. I sat there last year. Didn't even get ran. Didn't even fire it up. Didn't even take the tarp off. Didn't even untarp it. Well, partially. I came down to look at it. It was partially untarped. Yep, yep. But we didn't take the tarp off the engine. Nothing on the cage. Nope. That uh, we should only have about three more weeks of snow. Hard snow. Don't fucking say that, dude. <laughs> Hard snow. Um, I Dude, mean, just to a point where it's March 25th, we got three more weeks. That's damn near May, bro. <laughs> Don't fucking say that, but you're being a realist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really want to take the cover off and until I can judge it for, uh, one or two days of snow, you know? Yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> once I get the cover off, she's going to get a deep clean. She's uh, going to be gone through a tune up mm-hmm. and, uh, I got to put a new gas line on it this year. Every year, dude, that fuel line. I don't um, know what the fuck it is. I still have the original, and it's not uh, the stainless. The braided? It's uh, it's not the braided. Yeah, it's just a re- regular rubber. Yeah, yeah. so I know that that one would still be good. So if I got to, I'm waiting for it to come in. I could always throw that one back on it. Um, <clears throat> I do want to get it hooked up with uh, the other coolant line because I got mm-hmm. another one. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited, though. That what? generator's running good. I, I got to put that to use this year. And then... Uh, that, that fucking winter storm. Yep, you know, it took out took out power for about a week. Took out power, but brought life to that Jenny, bro. No. I couldn't believe it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to do a tune-up on it. It hasn't <laughs> been fired in two years. And no. I walked out there and just... Two years, dude. That bitch ran... Pushed the button. That bitch ran less than two years ago. Well, I figured since I didn't run the boat for a whole year, it's been at least a year. Yeah. Since it has ran. So. Yeah. Do you, but would you like? Would you like to get into why the airboat kind of sat idle? Might help some people out there. Uh, yeah. Go ahead and tell tell the story. <clears throat> Start at the beginning. T box. Yep, I, uh... You don't have to, but... No, I'm... I'm it'll, 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 okay, it'll eventually yeah. help some people. So, uh, yeah, I actually had, uh, had a drinking problem. I was an alcoholic. Still am an alcoholic. And... Well, but caveat that by saying you haven't drank since. I haven't drank since... Um, July 3rd of 2021 right so when you say you're an alcoholic that's once an alcoholic always an alcoholic then or yeah is that? okay yep. okay yes <clears throat> and um <clears throat> i uh i went golfing uh one morning when I picked up a buddy we had some drinks on the golf course not me everybody <laughs> yeah. and then um i dropped him off and on my way home i uh i fell asleep at the wheel and hit the guardrail in the middle of the highway. What highway? Uh, it was uh, 94. Is that where it's three lanes? It's two lanes. 
And luckily that there was this big metal rail or big uh, cement blocked rail in between the east and the west. Mm. So you were in the fast lane. Um, left lane. I uh, I was at one point. <laughs> but last you remember, you weren't? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you crossed lanes. So I crossed lanes and just ran all the way alongside that for about a half mile, just grinding. At any point, did you wake up? No. Jesus. I remember about two seconds where I seen cop cars behind me, and I'm on the phone with Sarah. And then I remember 12 hours later, I'm waking up in jail. And, um, yeah, I still was pretty drunk when I woke up. Hadn't had any water in me. I got him to let me out. And then I walked about three miles to the liquor store. And uh, I got some water and charged my phone there. I knew the guy. Okay. It's not good when you know the guy. That's that's not bad. That's but de- it's not well, good. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. So. Uh, Depending then, on the situation. Yep. Then I called Sarah. Um, she came and picked me up. And uh, ended up getting a lawyer. Went to court. I got in uh, to OWI uh, sobriety court, okay. and it was a, it was a tough course. So <clears throat> I was forced through this program to uh, get sober. Just be honest. Um, so if I was to drink, I'd, I'd have to tell them about it, and uh, there would be minimal consequences, such as um, eight hours community service. Mm-hmm. But in order to go on to the next phases in this program, you had to have sobriety. You had to stay sober. And now, did you have to do any testing throughout, or how did that? <clears throat> yep. Um, so part of it was the first 90 days I had to go to AA or something similar every single day. Oh, shit. Okay. Yep. You can't miss a day or you got to start over. And then uh, I also had to drug test. Um Roughly three to four days a week at the start, and then it was about two to three days a week um, as the year went on. For how long? For the whole year or for, for just the first 90? Um, for the whole year until mm. you're off the program. And the program's anywhere between 13 months and two years. Okay. So um, I had a lot of testing. Well, I, uh, I didn't start the program till February, and I got... Um, the beginning of February, well, I got in my accident in July. So yeah. I actually was sober since my accident. Which? As soon as I got in my accident, I realized that alcohol hasn't been good for me in my life. And oh, it's only uh, it's only caused pain for my loved ones. So I had to make a decision. Do I want to put people through this situation again? Or do I want to want to get sober? So I decided to get sober, and then uh, fast forward a couple months when I start this program, I just started right off uh, dropping clean for my test. I had to go to therapy every other week. I had to see, talk to the probation officer mm-hmm. um, once a week, and then as you move on, it's every other week. But I got pretty active. Um, I started running their pug program, which is their phase up group. Um, what's okay, so what's what is the phase up group? So we'll we'll have a court session and then after the court session we'll 
sitting there and talk about how our sobriety is going with whoever wants to stay back. It's between a half hour and an hour, and we just kind of um, try to get to know each other as far as the other people in the program. Because when you're going to AA, I've yet to see somebody that I have court with because there's just so oh. many available around. Son of a bitch. And uh, Wow. When you're doing the pug meeting, it's just for people who's been in that program. And we'll talk about um, just basically how our sobriety and how we did it and how things are going. And um, we're just trying to get to know each other more so it's more comfortable when we have court sessions with each other. That also probably gives some support, too. You make a couple buddies you can reach out to. Yep. Kind of do things uh, sober together. (laughs) I've helped a lot of people just just telling them my experience in this program. Um, I also set up a, uh, a breakfast, um, pancakes and bowling. So, uh, pancakes and bowling at airway lanes. Shout do, out airway lanes. They do uh, pancakes and bowling on Sunday. Where's that at? Um, it's in Portage. Shout out airway lanes in Portage. Across the road from the Kalamazoo airport. Boom. There it is. Free. You're welcome. <laughs> So, uh, we did pancakes and bowling there. Um, I, uh, I called one of the parks during the summer last year and like a city park or, um, it was a wanky park. Uh, they had three or four softball fields. Oh shit. And, uh, so I, I decided to uh, get a softball game. So I invited everyone in our court and there's another court that does every other week that we aren't there. And I invited them, and about 18 people showed up, and we played a game of softball pick teams, and the judge was there and her kids and the probation officer, and it was a, it was a really good time. The I had the court bias Jimmy Johns. Oh, fuck yeah. So there was Jimmy Johns out there, and then I got Bomb. people brought drinks and cookies, and it was a... Non-alcoholic drinks. Non-alcoholic. Yeah. Non-alcoholic. Like water and... Punch, yeah. probably. Gatorades. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And uh, they're still talking about that. that. That made them pretty happy. So is that something that they might <clears throat> continue on in the future, do you think? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yep. They want to get a bigger jump on it, so I'm actually going there um, at the 7th to... Uh, of April? Yep. To start setting the next one back up, but it won't be till fall that we do the softball. But Dude, That'd be cool if they did like a <laughs> optional league... Or something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's if hard that many in people. this program though because we got to rely on the people that have a breathalyzer that can pick the other ones up that don't because a ride is sometimes ah, tough. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think so. About that. We try to keep it as close. The to, blow uh, starter is that that we mean? Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 And uh, we're we're thinking of other things. They used to be a lot bigger back in the day but i guess covid really kind of shut down everything and now they're trying to get back start or started back up doing activities but i mean eventually it'd be cool to uh get like kayaks or something involved just having us all go out and showing that we can have fun sober dude i you know what i think would be badass and obviously it'd be a little bougie but even like a little fishing tourney dude like once a summer you got a couple people. I mean, you put out the word April, May for people to sign up for like a July, June, July outing. Yep. You'll have people donate their boats as, or they'll come in as captain. You know what I mean? Take a couple people out, especially if they know somebody in the program. I feel like it'd be 
Um, pretty good turnout. And I mean, even if it was a 10, 20 boat tourney, dude, it's a bass tourney, get people out for the day, get them fishing, give them, you know, a different activity, something maybe they haven't done in a while, you know, be on the water. That's huge. As you know, just the fucking, just the smell of the water, dude, brings relaxation for the most part. So, I mean, the scenery, the calmingness, but then also you have a little bit of the competitive vibes too. You know what I mean? Yep. The nature is relaxing as watching waves is the same as watching fire. Yeah. Like a beach day would be fucking badass. Everybody just goes to the beach, set up a volleyball net, throw some frisbees. Yep. Just simple shit, man. Simple shit. You know, and I feel like that's what a lot of, I feel like that's what a lot of the problem is with people is, you know, they're living that, I don't even want to say 9 to 5 because it's not 9 to 5 anymore. Like, for example, I work 6 to 4.30. You know what I mean? And some days, you know, they ask you to come in early and there's really no incentive other than the money. But, like, for you, what's your typical schedule? My typical? Yeah, like typical work schedule. Um, It's normally 6 to 2.30, 2.15. Okay. So, I mean, it's not 9 to 5 anymore. But you get those guys, those ladies, those people that they want more out of their their day but they spend their day you know working for somebody else they get home they've got problems you know they don't necessarily have the expendable income to go do certain things maybe their families you know they're not able to get the whole family out so their only real exit or release from that is a substance you know marijuana alcohol the latter you know is probably more common but you know, then you got those people that are fucking eating mushrooms, dropping acid, doing all that shit on the weekends, which no judgment, dude. That, that shit's all fun. But it's it's an escape. There hasn't been one time that I've been in the UP and thought, damn, I, I need to be on mushrooms to enjoy this. Or, you know what, I would be so much better if I was high. Like, the whole time, man, there's been times I've been up there with joints rolled and literally get back to camp and be like, I didn't even fucking open a tube. You know what I mean? Right. Just because your mind is engaged in what you're doing. You know what I mean? There is no, oh, I'd like to sit down right here and smoke so I can enjoy it. It's just, you know, obviously when you're younger, it's a little, it's also a little more, I feel like, um, I don't want to say more of a pull, but when you're younger, there's a little more of a, attraction to it i feel like you know to a certain age at least for me personally you know it would always be like oh this is amazing but it'd be great like for example bow fishing on the canoe you know great days but i would always find a spot to just stop and smoke and kind of enjoy watching fish roll you know thinking about it now i don't i don't know what that did for me you know what i mean other than make me forget shit you know they uh they say every person has a higher power. What do you mean by that? As far as when I was uh, drinking all the time, drinking was my higher power. Like, but you're right. But what, do you, would, what uh, do you mean by higher power? Like it, it controlled my thoughts, and thoughts mm. control your actions. Okay. So, um, that it's being um, uh, in my mind, it uh, it's looked at as uh, a higher power for me as far as. Um, 
I'm just doing what I can to get back into uh, that drunk feeling. Yep. You know, that, that warm comfort zone after the first couple drinks. And then you're fighting basically for that cozy feeling the rest of the night. Chasing the dragon, as they say. It is. You're just never satisfied. That's why I keep drinking. Like you ask an alcoholic, if you could have one drink, I mean, would you? Would you? And he'd tell you, what's the point? You ask my old lady, if you could just have one drink, she's like, well, it depends on what it is. Yeah. How good is it? <clears throat> is it worth drinking? Ask me right now. Would you have a drink? One drink? If you could only have one, though. If I could only have one. One Guinness. They have non-alcoholic Guinness now. You see that? They do. But I would still tie that into one. Dude, it, I'm not going to lie. It would be tough. I I give myself a two-beer limit. The last three brothers we did, I'm not going to lie. I was the first three brothers. I was pretty excited. and uh, Were you drinking Bach? No. No, I, well, I started, I had, uh, <laughs> I had a little shooter, a fireball tucked <laughs> in the back of the freezer. And so I shot that with like literally an equal amount of root beer, right? Just fucking slammed it. Had a little bit of gut pain at first. So I had a snack and then. What the, was your snack? <laughs> honestly, honestly, I can't even remember, dude. I think I just had some Doritos. Which, I'm not a big chip guy either, but it was like quick, easy. It was zebra cakes. Zebra cakes. Shout out. <laughs> no. Uh, fucking zebra cakes, dude. I can't do them. I can't do them. Just that fake cake, dude. I can't do it. That cake that's designed to last on the shelf for two years, bro, dude. I can't do it. <laughs> but, if, you could just, if you could eat one thing without any consequences, one food, what snack would you pick? Snack? Hmm. <laughs> With no consequences. You just had to pick one your favorite. Oh, fuck, man. That's tough. You go first. Cookie dough. Ah. Oh. Just right out of the package. Oh, man, that is Pillsbury a good one. Pillsbury cookie dough. That is a, a good one. <laughs> Honestly, dude, I'd have to say cheesecake. Dude. <laughs> cheesecake is phenomenal. Dude, I've got... I don't know anyone who doesn't... I've got such a weakness for cheesecake. I don't know any cheesecake. serious oh. person that doesn't like cheesecake. Yeah, I've got I've got such a weakness for cheesecake. I mean, my weakness is so strong for cheesecake that like Brie'll get me a cheesecake and I'll try to save her a piece. Can't do it. Like she got me a pumpkin spice one. I put it in the freezer. And it kind of goes along with the two beer thing, dude, like which I'll continue that here in a second, but like I know that if I'm going to eat it, dude, I'm going to eat it till I'm sick, right? So I thought it out last week. And, dude, it's almost to the point now i got to throw it out because I haven't touched it because I know, dude, if I touch that motherfucker, it's a wrap. Like, I'm going to make sure that I have it after dinner. That way I'm full. But then it's still going to be like, I'll have another slice. And then, like, an hour later when I'm hungry, before I brush my teeth, I'll be like, I'll eat another half of that cheesecake. And then I'll wake up fucking bound up or just not comfortable. I'll be sluggish the next day. And yep. I'll, I'll just be looking forward to coming home on lunch. To finish that fucking cheesecake, dude. And it's, it's, not, it's not good, dude. Bacon would probably be the second follow-up. I fucking destroy bacon, bro. You can eat that I love without my consequences, bacon. 
Not at the rate I eat it, bro. <laughs> I know. It's just me and the old lady, and I'll have a whole package. Yeah. Pound. One whole package. Literally. Yep. Pound I of bacon. I get one of them cheap, long griddles, fill it twice. Dude, yeah. <laughs> just can't stop. And I cook it, like, slow for, like, 45 minutes. I keep flipping it. Damn. I don't know what it is. It just sits and cooks in itself, and yeah. it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's all that fat that's liquefied, so but good. soaked into the bacon, into the meat that's not fat, so you yep. get more content. But no, where I was going is like the two beer thing, bro. I, you know, I have a problem. I, you know, I, I'm aware shit runs in my family even, so I try and stay conscious. Some, sometimes I get off track. You know, I'll buy a 12 pack and I'll find myself, I'll be like, all right, this is literally a whole week full of beers. I'll have one to start, then I'll do my two beer rule, and then I'll be down to one beer on my seventh day, right? Or whatever, sixth day, whatever. But, um, yeah, when Greg and Brandon were coming over, dude, I was just, we we were planning on recording, but it was with two mics, so I was just really going to try and fuck with the audio. I wasn't really planning on doing anything too heavy, and then we got bullshit, dude, and it turned into, let's record a three-hour podcast, yeah, you know what I yeah. mean, which is fine, but I already pre-gamed a little bit, so going into it, I was already pretty giggly. And then when we took our break, which we're 49 minutes in, probably take a break here in about 10, go take a piss. And I can't believe it. I told Bri I'll order some pizza. can't believe it's 49 minutes in. Ridiculous, dude. Easy. It just flies by. <clears throat> there's a, there's something to that um, where you know if you dig into it, you want more similar to being an alcohol or a, a alcoholic. And I noticed that because, um, so I've recently been uh, dieting. Oops. No, you're good. I recently been dieting, and um, I've tried this diet out my whole life on and off. Any specific diet or what? What's going yeah? On? It's a uh, it's a diet that puts you in ketosis, but it's okay. Um, so basically Ke- ketogenic I've, or what? What it's like? Uh, <clears throat> um, I uh, I don't eat any carbs at all. So okay. Basically, so. I tried this diet out before. I lost like 42 pounds in seven weeks, so about a week and a half. Jesus. Or a month and a half. Wow. And uh, 42 pounds in seven weeks, bro. So basically I'll just get up in the morning and eat some eggs, hard-boiled eggs on the go. Um, I could have uh, sausage sticks. I could have ring bologna in the morning. And then uh, I'll get to work. On my break, I'll have a can of tuna fish. When I get home, okay. I can have a naked hamburger with cheese and three over easy eggs on it with pepper. <laughs> That's my favorite. No buns, bro. No buns. Fuck. Um, broccoli. How do you do it? You can't have broccoli because it's got carbs in it. You can't have apples because it's got carbs. I'm saying the only things you can have that's very limited is burger, eggs, chicken, and... Uh, <clears throat> like tuna fish, salmon. Yep. It's very strict, but you keep this up for two weeks, you won't notice much of a difference. You'll lose five pounds because your body is getting used to it. And then after that, after your two weeks, um, you start losing about a pound a day. Your body is Damn. eating the fat. It starts with like your fatty liver. It's very good for you to do this. And uh, it starts just eating your fat. No fasting interval? Um, After you're in ketosis... You start eating less because you're not as hungry. Okay. 
Fair enough. And you're getting your, your body's consuming energy from you your get, body. You get more energy, and it's it sounds contradictive, but it's like working out. You think that would tire you, but as you're working out, you find yourself you get, having yeah. more energy throughout the day. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, especially since I've been going in the mornings before work. Um, but it's similar to that. <clears throat> and then uh, you you can't maintain that because once you start feeling happy with what you look like. You start slipping. Yeah. You start I can see carbs. that. I can see that. But the first day you eat a carb, as far as, let's say it's a cheap day, I'm going to have a an actual cheeseburger. The next day, all you crave is carbs. To a point where it's like, hmm. you're so hungry for a carb, you can look in your fridge and see everything that's carbless that you've bought, but you don't want it. But you're so hungry... And it's just because, like, your mind was introduced to it for a day. Like, if I wouldn't have ate that that burger at all, I would have been fine the next day. But since I decided to eat that burger, it's similar to taking that first drink, eating one cheesecake. But this is, (laughs) it's all in your head. It is, uh, it's extremely tough after that. That, uh, um, so, uh, you got to kind of watch yourself, but. If you can torture yourself and you want to eat carbs once a week and then the second day, light carbs, it's actually very beneficial because you start uh, boosting your metabolism. So you're talking like, let's say you eat 100 grams of carbs and then the next day cut it to 50 or like light carbs. Like what would you... If you pick Friday your date night. Okay. You're going to have some carbs. Mm -hmm. Sweet rolls at Texas Roadhouse. I wouldn't go with the rolls. (laughs) It's just too much. I mean, I I understand maybe two slices of pizza, um, maybe a a little plate of of pasta or something. But I talk to people, they're like, I go all out. And I'm like, I don't don't go all out. That's rough. Then the next day um, after that, just kind of lighten it up again before you go full no carb but you'll notice your digestive system after a couple of weeks of doing that diet with no carbs starts slowing down where uh you're basically going to the restroom once every three four days really yeah damn that's how bound up you feel but your body's using it um and then uh, it doesn't store it's it's crazy but once you uh, you get to the weight you want, I would say I uh, I add Brickhouse Nutrition. Shout out Brickhouse. <laughs> I don't mean to plug it. No, but, plug it, dude. Plug it. Um, I've been taking that for uh, for a while. I took it for a while before. And now, what is Brickhouse? Get into that a little bit. Like, is it a full line of supplements, or is that just like you doing it's, one product? It's not. It's one product. It's Field of Greens. It's uh, it's not a supplement at all. Okay. It's actually uh, ground up fruits and vegetables, so it's nutritious facts. Oh, okay. So, so it's like uh, it has a probiotic in it. Yep. And um, it's basically your servings of vegetables and fruit in the morning. Um, I'll take that, and it's uh, to be honest, it doesn't taste good. No. It smells Green. like kratom, dude. Dude, <laughs> it I know. Smells like fuck. I I can't I can't do it alone. The only way to make it taste good is I do um, metamucil with it. Okay, I can see that. And that's also for, helps for fiber. And I'll actually put like like a, a third of a cup, like a glass, 
of water and I'll mix both of them in, stir it up real quick. And you got to be quick. Just slam it's it. It's going to get thick. Yep, yep. If you're not quick, slam it. And then I'll fill that glass full of water and slam the whole glass of water after. And uh, I've been doing that every morning for probably two months now. And um, also with uh, certain vitamins, I, I take a daily vitamin I've been doing for a couple months. I take uh, quercetin, um, fish oil for my okay. joints. Yeah. And it's uh, it's been going really, really consistent. And I just, I feel good. I mean, I can't complain. I might, I might stop something here and there and see if I feel a difference maybe, but. I, I do know what you mean about the cray taste, too, because I've got some ghost greens upstairs, <clears throat> plug ghost greens, and they're, uh, it's guava berry. Bro. I've seen the greens Bro. ghost up there, yeah. It's not bad. I mean, I'm used to it now with just water, but, like, the first few days, dude, we ended up buying some Simply Limeade. Shout out Simply Limeade. <laughs> and it was the best thing to do, because I got Bree some that were uh, lime-flavored greens. Not bad. Simple limeade. Yep. But shout out. Shout out. Shout out Lansing. <laughs> Dude, yeah. <laughs> That's back when we had a problem. Like that we didn't even know shout we out, had. Shout out slushies. Sl- Dude, those limeade. Fun. Dude, I'll tell you what. Quick <laughs> buy quick buy story before we take a break here. We uh Statute of limitations is up, right? <laughs> Ten years ago. Shout out German Shepherd. I fucking <laughs> Well, yeah, no, well, not shot him, didn't shoot him. We got to get into that so people don't think we're just <laughs> plugging dogs out here. But we, uh, accent. we, uh, <laughs> I was on probation. I turned 21 on probation and short got off literally maybe two weeks after I turned 21. <laughs> and, uh, we were buying Heinekegs, shout out Heineken, mini Heinekegs. We were going through one of those, like, a day. It was stupid. Maybe two days it would last, depending on what yeah. time we started. But yeah. then it was late summer, and we got into uh, making lemonade slushies. Simply lemonade, fucking lemon smirnoff, and whatever else. Real lemons. Real lemons. The pulp and breaking oh, up real lemons God. just took that alcohol flavor right Dude, away. Dude, couldn't even tell. Couldn't yeah. even tell. There was always a pitcher in the freezer. But anyway... <laughs> There was one night we were uh, drinking that pitcher of lemonade out on a picnic table that we had hijacked. And uh, I had tiki torches and M80s and a slingshot. And we were just put an M80 in a slingshot, lean it up against a tiki torch, light that fuse. And second or two before it went off, just fucking heave that bitch, right? Shoot it up in the sky, pissing everybody in the complex off. And Ryan says, oh, that looks fun. Let me try. So I said, all right, just shoot it up in the air, right? Don't shoot it at a 45. You got to shoot it up in the air. He's like, all right, all right. What's this motherfucker do? He 45s it, shoots it across the street, and it lands next to a couple that's walking their German Shepherd. <laughs> and the German Shepherd, yike. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so the dude came across the street. Being a hard ass, asked what apartment number we were and everything, going to call the cops, which is, you know, fair. Fair. Yep. But, yeah, we didn't actually shoot the German Shepherd. Ryan may have given it some shrapnel at 
at best. At best. It was close. I didn't see him there. It was dark, dude. <laughs> You're not going to fucking see him there. Ugh. Night vision destroyed by the tiki torches. Yeah. That was, dude, that was fun living there. That pellet gun, those suppressors. Yeah. Fuck, man. Yep, that was a good time. That was a good time. Good time. That was uh, before we uh, we made, got into uh, our boat builds. That was before we got into building boats. I mean, fuck, did I, I can still remember seeing that sliding glass door just covered in Expo marker. Dude, you remember sitting there with, with my gun stock just watching coyote videos? Yeah. <laughs> God, making face paints. Making face paints, dude. Yeah, I still have those somewhere too. Yep. Designing face paint patterns because we were at one point debating on. uh, I guess we could have been online celebrities, but making our own videos. We were We're looking into getting camera. We're gonna film some hunts. Mm Mhm. Have our own face paint that kind of, when you saw it, you would know it was Sagebrush or Raiden, Mm -hmm. depending on. You know, maybe even sell a face paint kit. Fuck, we were even thinking about, uh, weren't we thinking about reloading ammo at one point? Just looking at, like, doing custom loads. Yeah. Yeah. But here we are on a podcast. (laughs) Which isn't bad, dude, because I do have, uh, YouTube and a Rumble set up because, like I said, if, if I can get into Patreon or whatever, I'm still really debating it. I think I'm going to give it six months, kind of see how this goes. Try and do one weekly, two max. If I get a backlog, I get a backlog. Like this week, I'll have you and the three brothers. Um, and then I'm going to have one backlog, which will be Grandpa, because I told him I'm going to come down and record. But we can get a good amount of content out there, something that, you know, maybe I can get a little better at this. Not just the audio part, because I literally know nothing about the fucking audio, but get a little better at, like, uh, the conversation and, words just in general you know yeah we can maybe get the patreon going and then i'll dump all that money honestly into upgrading all this equipment um which is going to be first priority getting a really good mixer better mics all that good shit and then uh cameras you know i want to get a couple gopros that way we can start doing first person shit put that on youtube and rumble um even instagram and shit create some shorts all that stuff, which Brandon, he's already been talking about how to market it. So he's he's got a long list of social medias that he wants to run, which is awesome. Um, but we just got to get to the point. He wants to actually, tomorrow, he's thinking about bringing his camera and doing a video podcast on this. I'm like, dude, there ain't shit in this room. You know what I mean? It's right. literally an old grill room. So there's not much in here to, I mean, we could set it up in a corner maybe, but you're not going to see all of us. Like, it's tight. Right. But. But his mind's there, and I mean, that is the long, long-term plan. Get some cameras going, and then eventually, dude, maybe we can put some hunts out there, put a couple on the airboat, you know what I mean? Each wear a GoPro and put one up on the cage, something that sees the whole boat. Yep, Jaren just bought a GoPro. Hell yeah. What's he doing with it? Lifting? No. I think he bought it just for Pitcher Drocks. Oh, Really? Really? Yeah. Good. Good, good, good. That's good shit. Yeah, for the bachelor party. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. Um <clears throat> I uh yeah. I got a lot going on this year. I still wanna still wanna make the salmon run. Oh yeah. Yep. Um I'm going to uh Netherlands. 
in June. Yep, that's going to be exciting, man. Yeah. I mean, that's exciting just for me to know somebody that's been to the Netherlands. I know you're just barely going to miss the fucking um, the Tulip Festival. Yeah. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the week before we go, uh, Kevin Hart is playing. And uh, we're going to miss him, too. In the Netherlands? Yeah, in Amsterdam. Fuck. Are you kidding me? That'd be cool. That would but be fucking awesome. The weekend will be there while we're there. No shit. No shit. Back home. Dude, I I love the weekend, <laughs> man. I do. Yeah. I do love I the weekend. You do. I know you do. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna be there. Um I'm pretty excited. XO. I Shout uh, out. I've yet to be over the lake abroad, so um, The lake. Yeah. yeah. Flying that ocean. That ocean. I've yet to be over there abroad. Um, I'm excited uh, to experience a lot of the culture. I got an Airbnb for uh, a better part of a week, I think 11 nights. And I plan on taking all my stuff to the Airbnb and spending the first couple nights there, kind of walk the town a little bit. And then uh, I might bus out to hostels in other towns outside of Amsterdam. Just to get some of that experience overseas? Yeah, you can, I mean, the further you get away from the city, the more of the culture you're going to experience. So Yeah. I'm debating on learning some Dutch. I don't I don't know if I'm there yet. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad thing. <clears throat> it's uh, it's pretty interesting language. Get a little more in-depth in the culture. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let me uh, go ahead and pause this really quick. We'll go get Brie and Kia pizza. I got pulled pork up there. I know you're... On a diet, but... Oh, I'll eat it. Okay. All right, cool. Hell yeah. All right, let me pause this. Okay, I just fucked up big time. <laughs> I just fucked up this big time. time. I thought I hit record, and I didn't check to make sure it was recording. Mm, so we're back. So we're back. Yeah, so now we're back. We only uh, lost maybe five minutes, but... Yeah, basically, so we were just diving into, um, you know, over break, we were talking about, you know, kind of throwing the the program thing on you and, uh, you know, how you would kind of felt off guard and wish you uh, were a little more prepared. And basically, just a quick summary, the last five minutes, we've, we basically got down to when you're alone, you still have some of those cravings. Yep, and, yep. And, how, and how you get over those. So if you don't mind just doing a quick recap, I know we, we, so, we just did this. But. Uh, when, you take, when you take AA, it's not enough just to, just to go to a class. You have to uh, work the steps. You have to get a sponsor. And um, basically tell, tell the people you love and care about and your friends that you are under... Uh, you have this disease and you're in this program and let them know kind of what's going on in your life. Um, don't shy away from it because later when they're drinking in front of you, it like holds you accountable. So they're going to be polite. They're going to say, well, we don't have to drink in front of you. And I mean, it could help a lot of people not to see that, but if they're the good type of friends, they will hold you to account to not let you drink. And that's fair. You don't even want to drink because you don't want to disappoint or go back on your word from the people you just told that to. 
So it really helps to kind of get the word out to your loved ones and the people you hang around. But when you're alone in your house, your old lady's at work, it's uh, them bad thoughts just come to your brain. You just want to go run down to the store. Your old lady won't be back till tomorrow. No one's going to know. And uh, those are the those are the scariest ones, which there's meetings. If you have that feeling, you can go. If you're, uh, you've been in it for a while, you know, just to find a meeting in your area and go to a meeting and sit with other people that are having the same problems. Um, your sponsor, you can always give him a call. Um, distractions. Any, any habit forming, um, such as uh, if you ever tried to quit nicotine. Yeah, if, uh, that's tough. That's a tough one. Habit forming um, for sure. Diets. If you ever tried to fight, uh, you're dropping calories, you're, you're trying to fight your hunger. Um, you got to find distractions to get that thought. Even if it goes away for five, ten minutes before it comes back again, um, you're just trying to get through 24 hours. I like to. Th- I don't like to think of it as I'm not going to drink again in my life. Life's long. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm not going to make promises. But I know I'm not going to drink today. But that's the goal, right? Short-term. Exactly. It's overwhelming to be like, I never get to drink again? No. I'm not going to drink today. (laughs) Well, and that's kind of what I'll wheel the other little part we were talking in before I forgot to hit record was I was talking about how sometimes I have to white-knuckle it, you know, because I may have... You know, overindulge the previous day, and I've got to remind myself that that's why I don't have any beer in the fridge now. Um, you know, like maybe a bonfire, a certain setting, you're so used to having a beer or a couple. And then, you know, for me, I've got to white knuckle it sometimes. You know, there's a lot of other things that, that you know, I tell myself, all right, that's $10, a six pack, you know, because I like craft beer. You know, two Hardadale and Guinness are basically. And Oberon are basically my more common non-crafts, you know what I mean? But Obi-Wan Kenobi? Obi-Wan Kenobi's, yep. Guinness over Oberon. Haven't been doing snake bites or fox bites. Or, uh, yeah, haven't been doing those recently, which, for those of you that don't know, it's a two-part. It's a Guinness poured on top of an apple or pear cider. Mm-hmm. Not only does it look great in the glass, but Jesus you Christ! Get, you God. get that Guinness with that mm-hmm. uh, that sour that sour uh, pear. The way that bitch bubbles mm-hmm. up through that Guinness, dude, phenomenal. Which Guinness is already creamy. It's making me want one, but <laughs> but that's what I was yeah. saying. Is sometimes you just I got to white knuckle it, but then you know I also might be like, all right, this ten, twelve, even twenty dollars sometimes, depending on the six pack, um, I could be putting that toward a lot of other things, you know car payment rent anything for the kids which is kind of what gets me through that day or you know even a couple days a weekend whatever you know you start looking at a fifth of honey jack which is another one of my weaknesses dude i'll drink that shit neat i like to mix it with root beer but i also prefer it neat no ice no nothing you know what i mean yep but you mentioned praying is a way to get through that um yes um, you can, uh, you can apply this to any, any thoughts that you're having, um, on a daily. Cause I mean, it, uh, you're always having thoughts throughout the day and sometimes yeah. they're negative resentment towards another person, uh, envy, uh, fear, 
Fear and is a big one. Fear is a motivator for sure. Um, for sure, fear. Yep. Fear fear is a big one. And basically by you by you praying, you're acknowledging that you're feeling that way. Instead of just acting and being mad all day, you can realize, hey, I'm mad right now. Go pray about it. And it helps you calm yourself, like talking backwards from 10. You analyze. You come up with uh, reasonings to settle your mind. And um, <clears throat> even answers to fix the problems. And sometimes I've had it happen where uh, literally unexplainable events um, come about. Come about where it just takes away... Uh, it just answers your prayer right then. It's it's pretty remarkable. And that's that's one of the things we were talking about too is maybe just you know, feeling like you're giving up that power to a higher being or not really throwing it away, but you know, by doing that you kinda again with the faith thing, right? Let's say there's something out there by being vulnerable and giving that the honesty that you're having this problem, um and in hopes and faith that that higher being will hear and help, but also just the fact that you're surrendering the vulnerability is probably a big, um, probably a big factor in that too, because now you're not holding it within, you know what I mean? It's a form, honestly, a form of conversation. You know, like you said, you call a sponsor, you say, Hey dude, I'm having a hard time. Fucking, I got this barbecue coming up. You know what I mean? I know I'm going to be around alcohol, whatever, block party, fucking kid's birthday. You know, parents are going to be popping beers and having their own little, you know, toward the end of the party type thing. And there's always, there's always that giving it up, you know, and giving it over type thing that might be that was beneficial, a, you know. That was a big thing for me. I missed out on my cousin's bachelor party because they're all going to be drinking and I didn't want to, I didn't want to be around that environment. And then uh, I look back now after I took step three and... What's step three? Um, so... Not to cut you off, but just... Okay, I'll bring so, you back to the bachelor party. I just, step one is admitting you're powerless over alcohol. Uh, step two is um, finding a higher power greater than yourself. Okay. And... Uh, Step three is um, the leap of faith. You uh, the leap of faith. Basically, I'm gonna mess this up. I should know these better. Dude, it's all right. It's all right. Spot, <laughs> it's, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to ask because I don't know. Um, you know what I mean? It uh. So the step three prayer is uh, giving yourself. To your higher power and basically if I would have took step three before the bachelor party I would have known that I have faith in my sobriety to be around that instead of just going to the conclusion that being away from stuff like that I'm using it as a crutch and once I'm around it I don't have that crutch um, oh okay I see I see but after taking step three I realized that I'm strong with my sobriety and that um, don't do anything that will jeopardize it. 
that comes first as far as trying to help another friend if you have if you can't be around it you you know yourself right right um knowing knowing yourself is probably a big part of that too yeah uh yep step step four is taking a um moral inventory of yourself and all your wrongdoings and then, uh, so kind of stepping away and analyzing, yep. maybe from a different perspective. Okay. Yep. yep. Now, you don't have to go um, through all the steps if you don't want, okay. but however many. Yeah, I was just so, curious yes. about three. Yeah, in three. Three you was a big one, just because. Um, I always uh, put this program I was in on a pedestal, and I'd always bring it up during my meetings. How, once I get done with this program, I'm I'm not going to drink. The consequences on probation are way too bad. But once I'm off probation, what are my consequences? I, I don't trust myself. I need to get going on these steps. And after I took step three, I realized um, my faith in my higher power okay. is uh, is all the strength I need. And Which honestly is pretty powerful. Yep. Just knowing that, you know. Yep. And every, I mean, everybody's got a higher power um, as far as... If if you're addicted to a drug, it's your drug. If you're addicted to um, alcohol, it's your alcohol. Porn. I mean, some people porn. Anything. Exactly. Some people will say this table will support me, so this table will be my higher power. Right. As long as it's uh, money, I mean, as long as it's not yourself. And uh, when a thought comes to your brain, there's I think a list of five things you got to run it against to see if it's your higher power speaking to you or okay so to analyze right. the thought right. okay no if it's yep. okay my higher power speaks to me most of the time through other people is how i is how i see it so do you mean like i'm sorry if you hear that pounding upstairs kids must be running around or something but so when you say it's through other people. Do you mean like maybe peer pressure or influence or what, what do you mean you're? Um, I'm seeing it's not a coincidence where multiple occasions I go to AA and the topic is directly affecting what's going on in my life present or answers a question that okay. I was thinking to myself. There's just, there's too many coincidences. Um, or if I uh, if I'm talking to a person and um, they uh, they also bring something up that uh, that you've been dealing with, or that is just too ironically coincident coincidental to not be like something bigger. I've noticed. Okay. Um, and they come in in so many different ways, but I see I see it through coincidences is the easiest way. But I'm sure it it'd be a lot a, a lot more other places. Oh you know, yeah, it'd be in a lot of other places if I looked. Yep. If you I s- knew how to look, you start looking and you right. see them. Yep. Okay. So I guess we'll get back to the. You were mentioning you felt bad that you missed a bachelor party because you knew there was going to be alcohol there, and yep, yep. If I, you would have had the step three. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I would have went. I would have went because I would have known that um, 
I would have been strong enough. But the way AA set up, they uh, they kind of scare you a little bit out of drinking. They see everyone that's going through the same problems you're going through and the old timers that's been in and out. And uh, <clears throat> it's kind of like when you go to jail, you just feel like they they comfort you because they've been through worse than you. As, as bad as you think you've had it, there's people in that room that's been through worse than you, and it's it's comforting. And they'll, there is they'll let element. you know if you listen that if you follow the steps correctly, there's a way out. And they can they promise you that a life without drinking will be a better life. Yep, they all make that promise, and it's got to hold some weight. That is pretty promising. I mean, that's a heavy promise, but I mean, it's not it's not one that hasn't been um, tested and proven. I don't want to say thousands of times, but you know, a lot over the course of not necessarily just AA, but you know, people in general that have just kicked a habit, you know, whether it's smoking or whatever, hardly ever do you hear that, you know, things have gone downhill, you know. Right, I mean, I'm right. ass- I'm assuming if you get to the point of alcoholism where your body is, you know, fully, I don't want to say dependent, but that's what it is, where you need the alcohol. I'm sure if you get to that point, you can't quit cold turkey because they say you die. You know what I mean? Your body's dependent. So that might be an extreme case where somebody says, you know, my life went downhill when I quit. You know, I started having withdrawals or whatever from heroin, you know, but you get through that. You get on a plane, you get on a path, you get through that. There's always light on the other side. Yes. So so, I don't want to keep beating this, but I'm interested, man. So what are some of the things that... um. I don't want to say that have kind of sprung up out of your sobriety, like as far as benefits, because it's hard to always tell if it's directly correlated. But so what are some of the things that, um, you know, maybe you don't feel like you would have been able to do or where places you've gotten that you don't feel like you would have because of your sobriety? You know what I mean? Well, if that makes sense, since I've been sober, I, uh, I bought a house. I uh, huge. I got a fiance. We're getting married. I proposed. Um, since I've been sober, uh, I start looking at myself long term, and in a way that's kind of depressing too because I realize like my memories and my thoughts and um just basically has diminished. I believe from alcohol and I was just so unaware because I was drowning it out with alcohol. And now that I'm sober, I wish I would have took care of my mind and body better just because of, um, I don't feel like my memory and thoughts are as good as they should be right now. And, uh, from what I've, what I've brought it up to people, it's not really reversible. Yep. So do you think you've caused like physical damage or do you think it's just uh you've got a foggy memory of the past like what do you mean by that like um i'm saying like when i'm at work yep and uh i'm trying to remember like a job number that i just used 
or any measurement at that, at that point or um, when I show up to the job and I forgot something on my tool list or something just like little things like that where short term retention it just basically it makes me mad because I know I'm better than that yeah and I don't know why I eat myself up over it and I never did before but it just wasn't noticeable before but now that I'm looking looking at myself in a different perspective it's uh I'm doing everything I can to try to fix it now eating healthy, dieting, going to the gym, um, and uh, just staying consistent with it. I'm trying to uh, really get on a good path um, to maybe kind of get back to where I think I should be. Okay. So So there is um, a goal element to it then. Also, you're not just operating on the fact that you're dealing with that, but you're also building a plan to correct it. Right. Which, now, would you tie that, you know, not really give it the benefit, but would you tie that to the program a little bit? Um, I don't want to say 100% the benefit, but would you kind of say that maybe that's come out of the sobriety in a way that, I'm sorry, with the program and the sobriety in a way that maybe just the sobriety itself wouldn't have? You know what I mean? Like, are you... I guess what I'm trying to say is the program itself, did that kind of help you find a way to evaluate yourself in a way that um, you kind of notice that now? Whereas if yeah. you just would have quit, you maybe not, you know, would not have had the same way of looking at yourself or. Uh, that's exactly, that's exactly right. Um, if I would have just not gotten my accident and quit cold turkey, I, uh, I wouldn't be in as good of a state of mind as I am now because this program has put my thoughts um, in a filing cabinet. It uh, it helped like evaluate like the big picture and yep. an understanding of why I'm doing what I'm doing, and it's it's definitely made me a better person and it's made me stronger not to go back um, to something. So as far as uh, doing it on the program versus not doing it on the program, I would do it on the program. Well, I, I for one, can say that um, not only – Jesus, let me adjust my mic down a little bit. Not only am I proud of what you've done, but uh, I'm proud of the fact that you're staying to it. You know what I mean? The accountability is huge. It is. Um, but also, I mean, reaching out. You know, I, we had talked a week or two before you were going to be off probation, I believe, and, you know, uh, I just reached out and asked if you had a plan going into, you know, quote-unquote freedom, <laughs> you know, where there's no bumpers, um, or not not necessarily no bumpers, but no legal accountability, you know what I mean, directly, and uh, you had mentioned that, yeah, you had a plan, you know, and that was to refrain which you know at the same time i mean i you know i'm i haven't dealt with exactly what you have i haven't gone through the program at all but i do know that when i refrain i feel a lot stronger you know i'll go through periods of sobriety where i don't drink you know i quit smoking weed 
while ago. I can't even tell you how long ago. Like last, probably November or so, going on five, six months. And I mean, it's, originally it was because, you know, as you know, I was having that allergy where I couldn't even crack a jar without fucking my face breaking out sweating, (laughs) you know what I mean? But that kind of led into me evaluating, do I, do I need it? What am I getting out of it? You know, um, how's it affecting those around me? All that shit. My finances, even, even though, you know, I was for the most part growing my own, it's like, how does this all affect me? You know, I can take time away from the grow, give it to my family. I can, you know, this and that and be a little more mentally there, you know, whereas it's not that I was high all the time around my family, but there would be times when family gatherings, you know, you'd want to sneak away with the cousins, smoke a joint or you don't take anything to the family gathering and you wish you would have on the drive home, you know, or, I mean, there's been times where, you know, I'm itching to get out of some place just so I could go smoke because of my anxiety, you know, and it's kind of just quitting like I did cold turkey. It just kind of forced me to evaluate, like, how I'm going to deal with these things now that I don't have that crutch. So I do want to say I'm proud of you because that's, well, thank you. it's not just a big leap, dude, but it's a big, um, it's a big weight to continue to carry when you know you can put it down. So yep. that's, that's huge. I, uh, I also have been very fortunate. Um, my fiance, uh, she's, I put her through a lot with my drinking and she's sick of me going to jail. She worries too much and I don't want to lose her, but you can't do it for someone else. Cause if I lost her, would I go back to drinking? You gotta do it for yourself. You can use her, but you have to do it for yourself. That's wise. That's wise. I mean, I don't want to be cliche, but they say you're born alone, you die alone. You know what I mean? So that's a core pop top you're hearing them pop over here. Hydration. <laughs> Staying hydrated. <laughs> but yeah, they say, you know, you're born alone, you die alone. So I think when they say that, you know, you, you hear it when somebody's trying to be cold. But I think when they say that at the root of it, it's you can't live for other people. You know what I mean? You can't live to take advantage of people, even though you have to deal with that yourself. You put that on somebody else. You're dealing with that, knowing that you've taken advantage of somebody like a narcissist or psychopath probably has an easier time with it. But, you know, I almost look at it like faith, religion in a way that if you do what's right, you're easier between your own ears. You have an easier time knowing that, yeah, okay, maybe this didn't work out, or, you know, maybe I could have taken advantage of this person, but we're both better off because, one, I'm not living with that weight, that guilt, but also I didn't angle something in a way that made their life miserable or unfair, you know. So that is pretty big. You can't just live for somebody else. Now, I will say when you have kids, it makes it a little tough because, man, the shit you do, dude, the shit you do, like work, for example, uh, you want to get a easier job, you want to work less hours, this, that, or the other, you know, you say, okay, I could spend this money on a car, you know, I could spend this money on new shoes, 
fucking whatever, a new fishing rod, you know what I mean? I could go spend a couple hundred dollars on lures, whatever. But then you remember you got kids and they need shit and you'll be fine in a tent. You'll be fine wearing the same fucking pair of pants. But you want better for them, so... It is kind of a tough one to be like, don't live for somebody else. Because, again, when you, when you have the kids, it's tough. Because, in a way, you do live for them. But by doing that, not not solely for them, but by by prioritizing them, you also teach them... You know what I mean? One, you show them their, their importance, the love, right? The unconditional shit. You love them through whatever. But you also earn trust in a way that when they make a mistake, they should be able to come to you and say, hey, you know, I made this mistake. You're not going to judge me. You love me unconditionally, which is going to allow them to gain that independence so that eventually when they do leave, you don't have them around. They're out in the world on their own. They're not doing shit like living for somebody else, not getting taken advantage of in a relationship, you know. So it is a tough balance. Um, I mean, my grandpa, for example, you know what I mean? Yeah. He was taking care of grandma forever, man. I mean, you know, she would always be telling him, hey, you want this, go buy it. Hey, you want that, go buy it. And he knew he could. But a big part of that for him from my perspective, is that he knew Grandma needed to care more. She'd tell him, go fishing, go do this, go do that. And he would rather have been with her in case she needed him, even though the running joke is he'd mow his lawn every day or whatever, even though it wasn't every day. You know, he that's the immediate dude. He took pride in that. You know, he could have went up salmon fishing or taken the boat out or done whatever he wanted, especially when she's telling him to. But just being that, you know... He knew her condition, and he didn't want to burden anybody else by saying, "Hey, will you come sit with your mother, or your grandma, or will you, you know your sister? Will you come sit here just so I'm at peace of mind while I'm gone?" He did it, you know. And to me, that's kind of like the work thing. You know, you don't necessarily live for somebody else, but you tolerate a lot more to make sure they're taken care of, which has taught me a lot because. I mean, fuck, I used to be selfish as shit, man. I still have my tendencies, you know. <sighs> like this podcast. I just ordered, uh... ordered a bunch of shit and then told Bree, hey, I got some more stuff for the podcast. Didn't really run it by her. But, you know, the long game is to maybe make this lucrative in a way, or at least to... Really, the main goal is for me to grow and to help other people that do tune in and listen, but it would be great if it could become... Something I can get away from my job because this does take time to do, you know, which takes time away from them. Which you're always riding that edge, man, you know. So it's it's fine to be selfish uh, in your sobriety if it if it jeopardizes your sobriety. Um, that's a good. That's a good point. There's uh, the, I mean, if you're driving home and you see a homeless guy with a sign. And you and you roll down your window, and you give them a ten dollar gift card to Myers you had laying around. Some people would consider that selfish because you're doing it for to your, feel good. To feel good, to feel good. Okay. Um, 
I'm I'm tracking. It's hard to look at it from that angle, but if you ever done that, you feel good the rest of the night. Yeah, you do. So, but here's the thing, dude. Giving feels good. Yeah. And it doesn't feel good because it feels good to be selfish. I think broad spectrum, dude, giving feels good because like you mentioned ants in the hive mind earlier, right? Yeah. Is this okay? Well, wasps or hornets. Or wasp, hornets, right, anything. Yeah. So let's, I know this is going to be a little tangent, but let's just look at it like this, man. Back when we were living in a tribe of 150 people, right? When you fucked somebody over in that tribe, the tribe knew. Right. There was a lot smaller pool of people. Yep. You would even be ostracized sometimes, right? You couldn't be a serial killer without getting killed. You couldn't be somebody that took advantage of everybody else and, let's say, gold. You'd got, you took more gold than everybody else because pretty soon you start losing your connection to other people, right? The people that you yep. immediately rely on. Now that we live in cities, there isn't that... It's not that there isn't, but there's a lot less of it. It's extremely diluted. You could be a serial killer, never get caught. You could be somebody that takes advantage of others, has them build shit, and you don't pay them. Or you pay them bare minimum. You make them promises. You don't follow through because there's a lot bigger pool of people. You know what I mean? No one holding you accountable. Right. There's Well, it's not that they don't hold you accountable, but you're living in a society where you can recycle people. I mean, right. fuck, right now yeah. you can move. Something yeah. happens in your small hometown of a thousand people, you get called out as the whore, the guy that's just a fucking crack addict, whatever. You yeah. can move to some place where nobody knows your name, yeah. and you can start a whole new life, right? But what I'm getting at is the giving. I think it feels good because on a community level, dude, that's what bonds people. Right, you see that somebody needs. Let's take it back to the tribe. It, uh, somebody needs food, yeah. right? It shows trust. Yeah, not only does it show trust, but just that gratuity, man. It it comes around. What goes around comes around, right? And a little bit of that gratuity. Let's say you're a hunter in a tribe, a Native Americans, 1800s, 1700s, 1600s, and you notice that your tribe is starving, right? If you come across a herd of buffalo. Or some fish trapped in a fucking creek somewhere. Okay. You know that you and your immediate family, your wife, your couple kids, your handful of fish that you take or that one buffalo you kill might might be enough for you. But let's say that you only did take a couple of those fish. You might sit down and talk to the wife and say, hey, you know, we're going to give a couple of these to Ryan. We're going to give a couple of these to whoever, right? Or you get with the tribe and you say, hey, I know where there's this surplus of food, but I need help, right? And then in the process, I mean, another little tangent here, dude, bow fishing. There's not much better than when you get into a herd of fucking, a herd, a school of carp, dude, right? Right. There's not much better than when, when everywhere you look is gar and you're just shooting arrows all night. Yep. Now, granted, you're getting rid of some of the invasive species or, um, I don't want to say trash fish, but that's what they're categorized as, right? You're getting rid of some of these species, the goldfish, 
not much better than fucking doing a circle, shooting 20 arrows at a goldfish before you hit him, you know? When you hit him, dude, like, there's something tied to catching a fish or coming into a big surplus, right? And I think, I think that that's ingrained in our DNA in a way that if you weren't gratuitous, right, you just surplus kill all these fish, or you just go out and you shoot seven, eight deer in a night. What are you going to do with it? You know, if you weren't gratuitous the day before, or somebody wasn't gratuitous to you and say, hey, you know, I noticed that your moccasins are getting thin, and I have this extra deer hide laying around. I'll take one off my teepee for you, you know. If you didn't have that, you wouldn't have not only the urge, but you wouldn't have that chemical bond with that person to want to give back, you know. Yep. Look at the special forces, man. Prison. Any extreme where you have people whose lives depend on each other, right? You got prison gangs, you got special forces, dude. People get out of the army, marines, and a lot of them get depressed because they don't have that daily interaction with their tribe anymore. You know, they're thrown into society that they don't think understands them, whatever. You know, and I think that's, again, Somewhere in our DNA is that gratuity. And I think that is one thing that we've gotten away from, not even as a society, dude, just as a culture. Because you look back, the culture of the fucking 1900s, grandpa's era growing up, his parents. Of course there was racism and all that shit. Let's not, let's not draw that line, because there still is, right? But, if you weren't, if you weren't good with your neighbor, it was a lot harder for you to survive. Right. A lot harder. If you weren't taking your neighbor surplus from your garden, you know, they weren't bringing their tractor over to help you with your garden next year or to do your driveway or whatever. You wouldn't get borrowed a horse to ride into town or whatever the fuck they did, right? They were a lot more reliant on each other. And granted, some of those populaces were more sparse, so you didn't have big cities like we have now but I don't think that that gratuity element left the human I just think it's a lot easier for us to write it off and say well I'm never going to see this person again or why would I go and do that extra work when I don't know this person you know which I think is a whole nother topic because you can get yourself into the whole um I don't want to say negotiations, but when you start rationalizing, right? That's a dangerous path because you can start saying, well, you know, it's only one drink, right? No, no one's going to know. You can rationalize it. You can say, well, I'm out with friends. I don't want them to think that I'm not, you know, having fun, whatever. But once you start to rationalize, you know, you can get in trouble. Rationalization and uh, judgment are uh are huge as far as it's something you're always battling and you don't notice it so yeah yeah let's let's bring up me smoking marijuana so what's your hold on before you get into it yes what's your plan with that going forward because the whole sobriety thing i know you said you've dabbled a little bit but like since, since i quit drinking and got off i have dabbled and uh, to be honest, it really wasn't wasn't like what it used to be for me. Okay. I, my age with the anxiety, 
just not the same. Tolerance is huge too, dude. Once oh, you get tolerance, yeah. it's, it's a different type of high for sure. It's, and I don't want to distract you from where you were going. I just, yep. you know, just to help the people a little bit. Yep. Um, so as far as judgment, so even coming up with, uh, my strategy on smoking weed going forward, um, I'm constantly, constantly judging to make up my decision to do that as far okay. as, let's say, well, time yeah, of day. I'll smoke a quarter a week. That's nothing. I used to smoke an ounce a week. Well, yeah. A quarter's not nothing. <laughs> but look in Sarah's eyes. One hits too much. Like you're talking about when you share that with Sarah, or what? No, like, what do you... I'm, like when I debate what is to, what what is okay for me. Okay. So okay. In my head, it's like okay, an ounce a week was way more. I used to smoke an ounce a week. What what's uh what's a quarter a week? Gonna, I mean, I could I could do a quarter. That's not bad. In Sarah's eyes, she's like, one hit a quarter. That's a lot. I bring it up to my neighbor, and he's like, in his head, he's like. You're only smoking an ounce. He's like, I smoke. I smoke a half a week. I don't even smoke that much. My neighbor down the road, he justifies this half a week because the neighbor down the road smokes a whole pound a week. You know, so yeah, it's basically your your perpetual, ju- perpetual. You're uh, you're justifying your actions based off your past life and other people around you, um, rather than just looking at it as what it is. You're getting high. Yeah. The surroundings, your immediate you're, surroundings, right. the culture, even more accepting Justify of it now. Justify how you want. You're getting you're getting high, and um, and you can either be okay with that or not okay with it. As far as but um, you're constantly comparing it to uh, everything around you, your decisions you're making. Um, another example: my buddy at work, he bought a pair of headphones. Um, Ear, ear earbuds to listen to wireless. Yep. Has he wireless. listened to Whistlepig yet? Wireless earbuds. Plug Whistlepig. And I was like, oh, those are sweet. He's like, yeah, these are uh, forty bucks. I was like, no, no shit. I was like, yeah, I got these ones. I spent ninety. He's like, oh, well, nineties, nineties, way too much money. And I was just like, yeah, I had these ones that were twenty. Well, I'd spend more than twenty. So he's justifying in his head that the amount he picked right. was the best amount yeah that's regardless that's it's ra- just off his preference in a way that's kind of rationalization too because probably making that decision he was even think looking at pairs that were 100 150 200 and he's right. thinking i don't what's different between those without trying them um chris the guy i gave a shout out earlier yep. he, he he got a pair and uh did their bomb their bomb and they promised 12-hour battery life. They weren't doing 12 hours. So he got with the company. They sent him another pair. They're $150 headphones. So he sold me the pair that he originally got, right? Bomb, bro. 75 bucks, Half price, right? Couldn't turn that down. Especially, right. he let me listen to them before he even had the issue, right? Second pair is also not running a full 12 hours, which is whatever. The point being that seventy-five dollars, dude, is a hell of a deal. After I listened to the pair, I was because I was thinking one hundred fifty bucks. I even told him, "Give me a review. Listen to them for a couple days. If you think it's worth it, dude, I'll put them on my list." Right? Because I was looking for a pair of wireless, and he got them, and he let me listen, and bro, well worth it. 
Are they Sony's? No, they're um. Oh fuck! Put me on the spot. Hmm. Samsung. No, Beats. no, they're uh. Raycon. Dude, if if he's listening, he's fucking screaming, screaming at his fucking car right now. <laughs> no, they're um. Skull Candy. No, <laughs> no, dude, they're uh, they're a newer company. Um. God damn it. I almost want to run upstairs and grab the box. But they're, because I do want to give them a shout out, dude. They're fucking phenomenal. And uh, let me actually, uh, let me see. Anyway, they're, um, they've got a subwoofer in them. They've got two microphones per earbud, maybe three. So, like, when you take call, do it super clear, phenomenal. Like, the bass in them is on point. But anyway, the point is that he, um, he let me listen to them, and I was thinking, all right, 150, they're up there, but they, you know, if they hit the quality standard, 150 is fine. But I'm expecting a certain quality for that amount of money, on point. So when he was like, I got that second pair, I'll sell them to you half price. Instant deal, dude, because... I was sold on the quality, not the price, right? Right. Now, if I was looking at, all right, nothing's going to be worth $150 to me, it didn't matter how good they sound, it didn't matter what the battery life was, what type of features they had, I wouldn't have been able to find something that was worth $150, you know? But going into it as, you know, I'm going to justify my $40 purchase because these are good enough for me and I would never spend more. I'm not going to say that's the wrong way to look at it because that if you know your budget, you know your budget. And if you're not going to stretch your budget, that's one way to do it, right? And say, okay, I, I have this much, and it doesn't matter what's out there. I'm not going to try and justify it to be more. But when you're doing the reverse and you're saying that's not worth it because these are good quality for good 40 enough. right? Right. You know, that's like our welds, bro. You hire a motherfucker out of high school for 30 an hour or you hire a guy that's been in the field 20 years. For 30 an hour. Where's the better quality going to come from? Right. You know what I mean? And then how do you justify, once you see that quality difference, the high schooler? Even if he's a phenom, dude, he doesn't have the experience to be, when he runs into an issue, to solve it in 10 seconds versus 10 minutes. Yep. Which, time is money, and... Or he's still got mistakes to learn from. That yes. the guy with experience has already went through and learned. Yes. And so. then how do you justify not wanting to pay that guy who's got the experience or the certifications or whatever? Again, it comes down from a from a top down. You say, you're looking at it in the reverse. You're not saying, I'm going to pay him more because he is more valuable. He's got experience, you know, that is going to not only save time, but it's going to save issues. The quality is going to be there. But it's also going to save quality issues because he's not going to make rookie mistakes. And if he does, he's more than likely going to be able to fix them. If he's in a position, he probably can pick the best solution on the spot without my input. Like, that all adds up. But you put him on the same pay scale as a high schooler, somebody fresh out of high school, and your justification is, well, $30 an hour is good money. $30 an hour is enough. What, he can't pay his bills? He can't take care of his family? He better prioritize his money then, you know? Oh, he can't go up north? 
Well, then he's got to figure out how to do that. Whether he's got to cut Netflix or fucking, you know, quit buying food for a couple of days or fucking go on a diet. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, quit eating out. Whatever it is, there's a reverse justification to it, you know? Right. But yeah, the $40 headphone thing, dude. I mean, anything. I tell people what I spend on my fly reel. Which, let's plug Nautilus. <laughs> Fucking, oh my God, dude, listen. I got a Nautilus. Bro, listen. I got to tell you right now. Was it uh, CCX2? Is that what they are? CCF2? C- yeah, yeah. CCF2. CCF, yep. Bro. Well worth it. Would you pay $600 about? Yeah. Yeah, bro. Listen. And people are going to shit their fucking pants when they hear that. But I'll tell you right now, dude, if you fly fish, if you do anything with the fly reel, I'm telling you, that's hands down best reel I've ever run. Hands down. The drag system alone is phenomenal. All enclosed, phenomenal. Granted, you're not running salt water, but if you wanted to, dude, you have the option. It's true. It is a completely sealed braking system in it, dude. And the way that that drag engages. Let me explain this. If you have a leash and your dog goes to lunge, right? Let's say that's a. Let's use salmon for an example, because that's what you got it for, right? Let's say you have a dog on a leash and that dog goes to run. You are the braking system. Okay. Yep. So the second that dog gets to the end of that leash, that braking system engages. That's your arm. Well, really, it starts from your wrist to your elbow to your shoulder to the, to your whole body. And you'll see people get tugged. Well, what this does is instead of being instant, right, which is where your line would break when that fish starts running right. one way or another, it's almost delayed where it's got a, a pre-engagement to the drag. So... If you could imagine a shock absorber being the whole length of that leash between you and the dog, you know it's coming up to that tight line, but as before it gets to your wrist as far as engagement, it's stretching that shock absorber. So you're actually building tension, building tension, which is creating its own drag, and then once it gets up to, let's say, 10 pounds, right, that's when it breaks into the drag system. So instead of just being 0 to 10, and you've got to use that lunge, now it's ramping up. So it's getting drag through the system until it actually breaks that first gear. And then once it breaks that gear, it's at whatever weight you set it at. Yeah, so it, it basically will gradually go to your drag that you set it to. It'd be similar, like you said, if you got if you got that fish, and he's on a rope, and he takes off swimming... And all of a sudden, that rope just Gets connects tight. tight and stops them instantly. Now, you got that same fish on a bungee strap. Yes. And as it runs, the bungee strap tightens up and it, it stretch, stretches to a point where... That's perfect. It's uh, not full-on stop, but as it gets out to a point where that bungee don't stretch anymore... Then your then drag kicks in. it's a full-on stop. That's so, it's uh, just basically... It saves your line from the stress of the um, of a regular drag, and it keeps that fish on. Because yeah. a lot of times when they, they go a, tight, dude, yep. that's when they snap. They got a lot of good products. They uh, they got an NVG. It's a little 
little it's her older style but it's also got a really nice drag and then uh uh gxt is about thirteen hundred dollars dude and your reel is so bougie you can adjust the noise of the click which is i love that dude that's true you can adjust the noise which is actually kind of tactile too you can feel it but it's huge and it's 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 huge in a way that a lot of people will just think oh that's just minor detail but dude when you got that water flowing over your legs right all that noise it's nice to have that audible click 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 so that you know yep and uh that your drag is engaged and then you can start making decisions like okay i'll try and work him this way i'll try and stop him i'll try and turn him back up or you let him run whatever you're trying to do it gives you that split second input that says all right now your gate your drag is engaged and you can start working this fish whereas some reels don't have any audible so you've almost got to look down or watch you know if if he's close enough you can watch your tippet going away and say okay my drag's going or you put your fingers on your line you feel it running through your line you know like i don't know if you ever noticed but i keep my middle finger you know on my on my amnesia as they're running just because of that dude like it's it's um it's a feedback that kind of allows you to make a decision. And sometimes, you know, because I've got a Reddington, and it's a GD, which is a nice reel. It does have an audible, but it's um, it's instant engagement. So the second that line is tight, it's full drag. It's right to 10 pounds. So it's almost like stopping that fish, no bungee. It really is. The only bungee is in the rod. And you'll notice it when that fish makes a run. That rod is lunging until that drag breaks, and then the rod will come back, you know. But um, that audible, <laughs> that audible adjustability, dude, is huge. It really is. I mean, it's a love-hate thing with that model, because on uh, a lot of reels, you turn it, the drag a quarter, and it's about a pound, and it basically you'll have one full turn before the drag is. All the Tight. way. Yeah, maxed out. With my reel, it's six full turns. Which is phenomenal, dude. So you can you can dial in per fish. while you're fighting the fish. Yeah, per fish. Without overcompensating. So if you're fighting it and he's running and you want to add a little more drag, you can give it a good couple clicks yeah. and you can feel the adjustment without overdoing it. A good quarter turn and yeah. you know that you're not going from, let's say, 10 pounds to 15 pounds. Right, maxing your drag out, or let's say eight pounds to fourteen, whatever. Yep. You know that you go a quarter, quarter turn, you're adding two pounds. Yep. From eight to ten. Which I know their NVGs are uh, are similar, but they it doesn't take as many turns for the drag. Which uh, you know, but you've got the CCF, right? Yes. So yours, yours. <laughs> The thing is, you have a lot more play range. Yours goes, I think, from like just over a pound, literally, minimal drag, where it's almost center pin, no drag. You take it from that, what's it up to, 20 pounds? I think it's 26 pounds. 26? Yeah, so you've got a huge range, whereas most reels have a range from like 6 to 14. Yep. You know, even like 4 to 14, like a 10-pound range. So you've got a huge range, and you can drop that bitch right down to nothing or literally have it where you tie it around the waist of a lineman and yeah. he's doing workouts <laughs> you know what I mean? yep yep there's pretty cool color options too you can, the you color can options are nice. them. 
and I'm not trying to nerd out on this because I can nerd right the fuck out when it comes to fly fishing, bow fishing, bow hunting, dude, you name it. I know it. Anything outdoors, dude, I, I'm a big fan, but I will say that, that that rod and that reel combo you have, when you're on the river, let's say you're fishing an eight-hour day, dude. That's the difference between how you feel the next day because that that drag engagement destroys your forearms when it's instant, right? That ramp is nice. Being able to play per fish is nice. That rod takes takes a lot of stress off you too as far as like the wrist. You could have a good weekend, a good four-day stretch. And if you see, honestly, when you're on the river, you do have one of the best setups. There might be a guy that drifts by you once or twice a day in a, in a drift boat that has, I'm not even going to say a better setup because that reel is a huge part of it, but he might have a handmade rod, you know what I mean, that's literally yeah. specific to just what he's running. You yeah. know, Whether it's steelhead, salmon, trout, he might have a reel that's on par with yours. You're not going to find one that's better, but he might have one on par. But when you're standing in the water, dude, you're not fishing by anybody that has the same, not just efficient setup as far as efficiency, but also like quality, which is huge because that rod, again, if you have a super stiff rod or a rod that only has a certain range of flex, you're on the other end of it and you're fighting the opposite, you know, equal and opposite. So, and when your shoulder is the backup to that instant drag engagement you feel that in your shoulder the next day especially after oh, you're oh, throwing yeah. those fucking flies all day your arms already working the rod now it's got to work the fish or it's got to be the backup to your drag so when you get that lunge you know your forearms tight all that shit dude it's it's huge yeah it's good it's nice to have good equipment um and honestly you, you got to pay a little more it goes for anything uh you got hiking you pay mm-hmm. a little extra for lighter. It's gonna, it's gonna be a lot less strain on your body. You'll be able to go further, farther, enjoy more. Um, and that starts with the footwear, dude. What do you got on your feet? That's the most important thing. Yep. Is your boots. You want a good, solid pair of boots. Fitness and then boots. Yep. You know, I mean, if you're out of shape or not even out of shape, if you get easily winded, you can't take a light gradient. Doesn't yep. matter what boots you have, but let's say that's all equal. Footwear, dude. Even in certain terrain, you know, you want to have something that matches the terrain. Like you don't obviously want to be walking across rocky shit with fucking, you know, hard rubber boots without any sort of tread. Right. You know, you might want something with a softer sole, even though it's going to get eaten up quicker. You get better traction. Yeah, it's definitely all quality, dude. Quality. And again, bringing it back full circle to the fucking, um, the earbuds, you know, once you start to, <laughs> once you start to rationalize that, oh, you know, I'm not going to spend $200 on a pair of boots, $300 on a pair of Rockies, whatever, that's fine. But that comes with, you know, added stress on your body. Um, you lose a little bit of reliability, you know, you might get stranded out there with a sole that's peeled, you know. You might get a hole. You might have something that punctures. Wet feet. Wet feet, dude. Yeah. Wet feet are fucking huge. That RPM Nitro, I kind of regret getting over uh, Oneida. It looks like an Oneida. 
It's a lover bow. It's a lover bow. It's bow fishing bow is what he's talking about, but, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so I had it completely customized to the colors I wanted. You good with that heater, by the way? Oh, yeah. Okay. It feels good. Okay. Um, completely customized it to the colors I wanted, and it ended up being about the price of a uh, just stock Oneida. And with the noise in the creeks it makes pulling it back to the extra couple ounces in weight, I, I regret getting that instead of saving up for an Oneida because you're carrying that thing all night long. Yeah, it's always in your left hand. Yep. Um, Unless your line gets tangled up around somebody else's or you stick the arrow in the muck where you got to put her down, reach in and pull it. Yep. That fucker is in your hand. Otherwise, you're not shooting fish or you're not ready to shoot fish. Yep. Um, and for every time I need the bowstring changed, I uh, got to customize or custom order the bowstring from uh, mm. RPM. Yep. Um, that's another factor. That's that's huge. The biggest factor for me is the weight. I think so too. Honestly, that sucker punch is so much lighter. It's dude, so it's, nice. it's a wheel bow. I. You're gonna have motherfuckers talking shit, but I'll tell you right now, dude. Those deep grooves they have on those cams. I think I've even showed you. Like I've pulled it back and pulled the string off one side or the other, and it doesn't pop off the cam. I mean, that's what it's made for, dude. It's literally snap shooting fish, yep. but also shooting fish that are running where you're not perfectly square you don't have time to sit and square to your target it's uh that's the bow i got for the old lady it's pretty solid dude and they they and do they, work they punch dude <laughs> the arrow flies straight they punch hard i bought a couple cheap um what are they hydro h2o's or yeah the uh that's, barnets. Not, that's not a fin finder yeah that's uh yeah that is a barnet barnets yeah um, just for backup bows First day out with one of those, a buddy was learning, and he didn't really know, and the arrow fell, and he dry-fired it, and it popped right off the cams. They have the deep, deep cams, too. Yep. Um, quick fix. Took it in and got it fixed straight up. But, uh... Oh, uh... The, the sucker punch is another level. Yeah. Did I fucking... One of the better purchases I've made for bow fishing, for yep. sure. For sure. I mean, really, when it comes to bow fishing, you're not shooting fish without a bow. That's bow fishing, you know what I mean? True. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I, you know, I, I think I only spent, I want to say 350 on it. It was like the first year it came out, so I got that silver and black color, and then they went to the red after they made a couple cam improvements. I think they changed the bushings in it. Then they went to that red and black, which looks great. Fucking feels just as good. Haven't shot one to really see the difference in it, but I'll tell you what, dude. I, it, it's going to be hard for me to get away from wheel bows just because of that. I like the idea of a lever bow tying to the back, but I also, getting away from tying to the back, dude, I've been seeing too many issues with people losing an eye or fucking this, that, or the other. Close calls are huge. You hear about close calls. Anytime you start talking to somebody about bow fishing and they tie to the back, they'll tell you about a close call they had. Fuck, I've had them. I've, you know, I've been lucky enough to have the line break. I think you were there a couple times that happened where you just forget to push the button. Fucking arrow snaps out, and then you're, you're like, what happened? You know? yep. And then you realize that it's not on the string anymore, and I've been lucky. But I will say that a lever bow, you have the advantage of tying to the back. There's no cables, right? So if you right. tie to the back, you don't have cables for it to get wrapped up on, but you still have the issue of not hitting the button which is operator, but 
the downside for a lover bow for me is the fact that you've got lovers that flex. So when they snap out, if your leg's in the way or like the rail, you slap that limb on a rail and you might be out of commission for the night. There's also timing. You can fuck up the timing on them pretty easy. So one lever snaps a little quicker than the other. So you start throwing arrows funky, you know. The weight, not so much now because like the Ospreys or the uh, the Oneidas, the American Eagle bows, they're a lot lighter. But you still have levers, you know. They're just, they shoot so smooth. They're fucking quick. They're made for that snapshot. But, and they look, they look sexy. Yeah. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. It's the sexy ball, for sure. They are sexy. But, that sucker punch, dude. Sucker punch, um, here's something. The Micromitis. That was a good bow, too. Don't. Mess with muzzies, dude. Anything with the word muzzy on it? What do you mean? Do not buy a muzzy for bow fishing. Bow? Reel? Arrow? It don't matter. Do not buy anything muzzy. The tips. You can get the tips, but just know that the quick, like the carp carp ones, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. The the quick release. Those are nice. The QDs, where you can just twist the shaft in the fish. Those are nice. But when you've got, like, the, uh, you got to undo the barbs. Those start swiveling beyond, let's say, 45 degrees so quick. You stick them in the mud once or twice, or a nice root ball. You pull the arrow out, and your fucking barbs are swiveling all the way around. You shoot a fish, it gets off. Shoot ten in a row, can't get them in the boat. You're like, what the fuck? And then you notice that, yeah, your tip's tight, but your barbs are still swiveling to 90. Yeah. I've had every knock on every muzzy arrow break. Mm. Oh, you're talking about buying, like, a pre-made. Them, too. They're reels. I've you are so quick at fixing them because you have I've had to fucking you've had repair to do them so many times. <laughs> you have to do it. So I tell you right now, and then they got the times two reel that I have for uh, AMS. Yeah, or, uh, is that no? That's uh, Cajun. No, is that a Cajun? No, reel? it's a tournament style for. Um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it is the AMS, the bottle junk, bottle retriever. Yep, junk. The OG, the regular retriever is the best, and I think that's it. Just doesn't have the torque. I was going to say, doesn't dude, have the torque. I think it's because you have the higher gear ratio, so you yeah. don't have the the pull-out-of-the-mud torque that you can. you got to pull it out first and then reel it in, which the retrieve is twice as fast. I'll give it that. But you don't the winch have, is pretty nice. The Cajun? Yeah, that because it's got the stop on that is to pull it out of stuff. Yeah, yep. And if you don't it's hit the button, pulling. it still will re, re, it'll have a slow drag Yep. rather than which nothing. Which save your line. Stop. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. That winch is, that winch is a nice, nice reel. I've, you know, I've yet to try the uh, Mega Mouth. That's gonna be the next thing I want to try, even though that's three hundred dollars. I've been, they've been on the market a couple years, so they've kind of been tested and proven. Um, which is kind of one thing I look at when there's a thing introduced. Wow, I don't know what that is. I don't either. I don't. He just showed me a picture of a reel on a lever bow that. Looks nice. Got a TJE shoot through rod. I think yeah. Muzzy bought him out. Yep. Yeah, I was just wondering if you uh, showing you see if you knew what that was. No, not off the top of my head. It almost looks like an old style fucking push button, doesn't it? Uh, no. Just the way it's built. It does. Yeah. Huh. You don't have to inquire on that, dude. I looked. At I, you don't. You don't look for one year, and there's like literally last year bowfish, and I didn't. 
usually this time of year, I, at the latest, usually about December, I start going through all my shit, ordering stuff to rebuild arrows, build new ones, new gears and shit for my muzzies, which is something I was going to say too. I, I like to keep three muzzies on the boat for my one sucker punch because there's some nights that airboat doesn't have reverse, okay? And there's some nights you put an arrow in the mud, you can't circle around back to it, and you just have to hold the bow. And you end up burning out, popping something in the reel. And instead of not shooting the rest of the night, you just change the reel out and fix it when you get back home. And there's been nights that I've fucked up both my reels and had to be down for a half hour while I take everything off, switch out to an AMS, switch over an arrow to the AMS, and then retune because the AMS... Okay, so the muzzy is mounted right beneath your arrow, and as you shoot, your line gets tight. It might pull the ass end of your arrow down a little bit, but you can tune it so it's making a perfect dive in the water, perfect splash. Like, that's kind of how I judge it, you know what I mean? I'll slide my um, stopper up or down on my string if I have to, just to get it so it's tuned, where you shoot in the water and it's a perfect splash every time. The AMS is mounted off to the right or the left side, depending on if you're shooting right or lefty. So as you shoot and that arrow grabs drag from the line, it's actually kicking the arrow, the ass of the arrow off to the left or the right, which not bad on short shots, but as you're making a little bit longer shots, you notice that arrow's going in at an angle. Yep. And you lose a lot of energy, but also once you hit the water, it wants to shoot whatever way it's already facing. You yep. know. So that's one thing that you got to do if, if, if you are going to shoot muzzy. Unless we get sponsored and they want to give me a hundred fucking reels, then I'll maybe edit this out. But no, man, that's that's one thing you got to do is make sure you have a couple because they're not made for, I don't want to say stopping a boat. They say a mega mouth will stop a boat, right? But I've, they're not. I've never messed with one, but. I haven't either. I tell you right now, that reel that came with my uh, Nitro. That, that was an RPM, too. That reel? Yep. The RPM reel? Yeah, yep. Garbage. Push button. Garbage. Wouldn't engage. It had it had that push button that you'd pull back yep. to engage and reel in. Yeah. I could, it was hard to reel in just the arrow alone sometimes. Yeah. That thing was trash. Yeah, and then it's using, you know, lighter line. It's using that line that's meant for like a push button style reel. It's not that fat retriever line. Right. So you're cutting your fingers up trying to pull in an arrow with a fish on it because the reel won't fucking reel right. the fish in. Yeah. That's a big one. That's a big one. Muzzy for deer hunting is what I shoot, though, for my broadheads. Yeah. I've went through... I ha, I never had luck with Grim Reapers. I have ha, I've heard people who have. I've always got my deer with rages, but... Rage in the cage. Non-renewable. Every shot. You can. You, you can rebuild them. But you have it. you have to rebuild it literally every deer. If you miss, you're rebuilding it. Yeah. You're paying too much yeah. per shot. Now, with muzzies, they're very solid. Not only have you, you get a good chance of reusing the one directly after a miss or even a clean pass-through, you, uh, you don't even got to resharpen it. I normally just throw it right back in there. Yeah, I mean, dude, you wedge through fucking rib cage with that thing. Yeah, it's, it's solid. It's good. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, once in a while, you know, if you take a quarter and shot where you catch like the shoulder blade or something. Oh yeah, you, you'll definitely you'll bend yeah. the blades. Yeah, but. you'll torque it, but 
No, for the most part, man. Muzzy's where it's at when it comes. But then again, they're also, that's the game they grew up in. That's the game they're engineers. They're kind of, I don't want to say new to the bow fishing game, but they haven't obviously put the attention on it. You have companies like AMS that are basically around bow fishing. You know what I mean? That's that's their whole game. That's where they came from. Um, But yeah, man, that's a little tangent on bow fishing. We could go on that fucking all night, man. All night. So what's one of your favorite shots to put on a fish? Like, location? No, I mean just like, you see a fish, you shoot it, you get it out, you're looking at it, and you're like, that was fucking awesome. Oh, dude, gill plates. Gill plates are legit. You shoot them in the gills. Done. And then you just see a cloud of blood. (laughs) And you you just know. But my favorite would have to be... The instant kill, the instant death, Instant's where you shoot them, and they might give you a little twitch, but they belly up and go right to the surface, done. Like when they're mid-swim? Yeah, they're just... One of my favorites is the JFK, where it's mm. swimming away from you, you shoot it through the back, and the arrow comes out the mouth. Yeah. Some yep. of my favorites, dude, are JFKs. I don't know why they're called JFKs, because wasn't he shot in the forehead? I thought you made that up, that name. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you made that up. Uh, not no. I've heard you say it many times before, but I thought you uh, coined it. You coined it. I thought you coined it. I mean, I might have, dude. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. That's just that's just what I well, call. They call it JFK because Jarrell calls it JFK. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Those are some of my favorites, man. Yeah. Or when like you just see a fish and you just snap at it. And you just put a fucking stone cold shot on it, it runs off. Like those hero shots, hero dude. Shots. When somebody shoots at one or a couple people shoot at one and then you're the last guy to shoot it on the run. Yeah. Some of my favorites, man. Yep. Was that Gar a hero shot? It wasn't a hero shot. We were just I I didn't know if it was like a quick one. Oh, it was a quick one. It wasn't a hero though. He wasn't going anywhere, but we were just passing it. Mm. He's talking about my almost state record gar. Yeah. It was a big one, man. It was a big one. Was it 57 inches? 57 and a half, something like that? I think it was... I think it was... Uh, 16 pounds. There's that. <laughs> I can't remember. I think it was 56 because the record was 53, but it, it weighed two pounds less. Yeah, it was two pounds short, which... Fuck, dude. That I was don't a- even know. That was, was a chub. God, so it was fuckers. so funny because we got we got back and we didn't have a scale, so this boat pulled in behind us. I was just boat fishing, and we're like, "Hey, you got a scale?" And they're like, "What? What do you? Yeah, what do you need it for?" Well, we think we think we might have one here, and they looked at us like, "Whatever." And then we flopped that thing over the side of the boat while it's on the trailer, and it's touching the ground while you're holding it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like the look on their face, they're like, holy smokes. Yeah, I've that never was, seen one that big. That was fucking, ah, that was such a good night. That was a good night, man. There were gar everywhere. Oh, man. That was a good night. That was fun. Yeah. That was fun. Yep. Kraken. That was a Kraken 2.0. Mm-hmm. Named so because it's a 20-footer. Yep. I've thought about trying to buy that bitch back from Cody because he's into some shit and he's I don't I don't see him getting out of retirement right now. No. No. I don't really want to get into it too deep, but you know. Yeah. He's busy with some other stuff. With life. 
Yeah, we could call it life. <laughs> okay. Yep. yep. I know, uh, you know, he's started his own stuff up too, which I haven't talked to him really to see how that's going because some of the stuff, you know, that's been going on with him, it's, you know, like you said, man, it's... That's kind of uh, some mad respect, though, getting... It's, it's scary going out on your own. It is, man. I mean, honestly, it's one of the more invigorating things, too. It's definitely scary at first, but once you know your boat, once you know its limits, you get a good, a good beat on the weather. I'm at work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought you meant captain in the, <laughs> the vessel. I don't think I would ever take that airboat out alone. The airboat would be a tough one to do alone, man. It would be. I mean, I think we have a pretty good, I don't want to say relationship, but because that's, we do. But I mean, as far as like on the boat, the way we captain and all that shit, I think we've got a pretty good system. If something shuts down, we shut down to fix it. We don't just have somebody shooting while the other person's trying to figure it out or whatever, you know what I mean? Or sitting around waiting. Right. We and it's it's weird because with our with being fabricators, our mindset is we there is something here that will get the, get us home. Oh yeah, we've got everything we, we need. We just got to figure out how to engineer it to get yeah. us back. Yeah, we got to find it. I mean, there's been times, <laughs> dude, dude, yeah, like that day out with Cody, day shooting. Is that what you were thinking about? Or the tournament, even the any tournament too. Yeah, we uh, up till midnight, fucking. Boring out a spot to restabilize yeah. that fucking alternator, dude. Yeah, yeah, made it work. Yeah, there's there's been a couple times that we've had some. Fuck, I got shot shot at on the bay. I had a gun pointed to me, out on long. I thought it was just a laser till I looked down it and <laughs> realized that it was a AR-15. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's. That's why the new rule is to stay strapped on the boat, dude, because people are just fucking idiots, man. Like, they don't realize that that lake isn't their lake. They have property on it, but it's not theirs. They don't realize the Great Lakes aren't theirs. Like, the problem we had, we were shooting on Saginaw Bay, bro. Right. And some dude didn't want the lights in front of his house. Okay, that's cool. Shut up, because we're obviously trolling by, right? You see us doing a couple circles, it's because we're shooting at fish. This isn't the last spot we're going to be tonight. Unless you want to come out and antagonize us. Then it's going to be a problem, which is what he did. Former Golden Glove boxer, you know, mm, whatever. Noodle arm, right? Noodle arm, yeah. Yeah, that's the noodle <laughs> arm story. I definitely antagonized him a little bit, but, dude, he he wasn't in the right. Hunter harassment, right? Sportsman harassment. And uh, he ended up wanting to go get his fucking handgun, shoot at the boat. Whatever. Like, do whatever you got to do. You call the cops, right? Whatever. Make a report, follow up, nothing happened, right? They literally told him to go back inside and not to come out, and if he comes out again to call, which is one thing. We went back out fishing. We get back to the boat ramp, and uh, we ended up taking Cody's Jeep because he was pulling the Kraken. His window was smashed. So was the other vehicle in the parking lot. Their windshield was smashed. So I don't know who did it, right? but somebody had the feeling that we were disrupting their... I don't know, their fire by the lake or whatever, their sleep. When we're out in the bay, there's no houses literally on the bay. They're all off the water by 
quite a ways, you know what I mean? I mean, there's a few that are right on the water, but they're in the sandier areas. They're not in, like, the mucky bullshit where we shoot. But anyway, that's that's the new rule, dude, is to stay strapped on that boat because you're basically a floating target out there. And if you can't return fire in self-defense, dude, you're a sitting duck, you know? And it's shitty that it's had to come to that because there was a time when sportsmen were all together, but... Now everybody's so damn selfish. You know, they'll put up with jet ski noise and all that shit all day. People yelling while they're skiing. But the second the sun goes down, dude, they think that fucker's theirs. You know, they don't realize that your generator or your airboat, which literally doesn't make any noise unless you're on plane, you just hear the engine humming. And that's literally all it does is hum. It's the quietest thing you can do next to a generator, dude. Like, it's the Jenny's louder than the airboat. That is true. You know, but it's like they, they don't realize that the hypocrisy in it you know what i mean well it's it's bright it is loud we're not going by their property for long they feel like they got a lot of money in their house and that they own it but i tell you right now i'm doing them a service i'm cleaning out a lot of the trash fish and i have a lot of money in my setup and boat Mm -hmm. to go out and have a good time and i tell you if you were to meet them on uh at a gas station and you offered him to go out He'd want to ride that He'd boat. He'd want to ride on it. So he, Not just that, but he might even look at that boat and be like, holy shit, and stop and ask you questions. You're just trying to get out to the bay and shoot fish, yep. and he wants to take up 20 minutes of your time because he's curious until that boat's floating by his dock. Not even by his dock, 100 yards off his dock. You know what I mean? Sometimes you might be up within 10 yards of their dock, but even then, dude, like up until it directly affects them, they're all about it. And that's the thing is we're out there enjoying... What we want to enjoy as sportsmen, we're enjoying our rights, we're exercising our freedom as sportsmen, we're not doing anything illegal, and for whatever reason, you have those cunts that just want to be like, that's my sunset. And being, we're in, we're putting ourselves in that situation, we got to be the better people. Right. But, the, but at the same time, that's why I'm saying the new rule is to stay strapped on the boat. Stay not, strapped, Not but... because... You want to antagonize and instigate, but when those people have been sitting up by the bonfire drinking, and they're like, I'll just shoot him, or I'll just shoot at the boat, they'll never come back here again, that's a loss that we take, right? Yep. And the word gets out that there's that asshole that doesn't want you shooting by fucking, was it Dickhead Cove? Is that what we called it? Yeah. Yeah. There's, he came out in his boxers waiting, waist deep in the water, yelling at us, yeah. pointing his finger. R- ridiculous. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> what? It's like, where do you want us to go, dude? We this is literally turn. Throttle. The boat, throttle, and that thing will kick up water 100 yards behind it. Yeah. Fuck it. If you have lawn furniture, it'll be... Up at your house. Yeah, I'll rearrange your yard really quick. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll whip a couple of these shitties. And then, yeah, I'll go. I mean. <laughs> if you want to be like that. <laughs> Jeez. <I'll> be, <laughs> yeah. Yep. But that's the thing, dude, is like, you know, you, it's a preventative thing. It's just, it's just like walking around in public with your concealed. You don't want to use it, and you hope that you never get in a situation where you even think about having to use it. But knowing that it's there shouldn't be the reason that you're pushing somebody's dock shouldn't be the reason that you're literally trolling somebody's fucking yard but in that scenario where a fucking golden glove boxer wants to come out start shooting at you because he's drunk 
Or you got somebody that wants to smash your fucking windows mm-hmm. because you trolled past their house twice, once going to where you're shooting, then once going back. You at least have that. So if you get to that dude that's smashing your window, you get up to the truck and he's there. You know what I mean? Who knows what they're going to do? Dude, they're already going that far to fucking shoot at you or smash your window. Why would you ever handicap yourself in that situation? Would you say a harpoon would be suffice? A harpoon is a good start, dude. The fish. Moby Dick him. The just <laughs> Mo- Moby Dick him down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, the fischetti. I've thought about that before, too. Yeah. Like, I, there's been a couple times, like, uh, here in town. Fucking, there was a guy, I think, I think it was with Greg. We got pulled over that night, but there was a guy, like, literally one of the cops stopped on the road and told us to go to the dock so he could talk to us. He's like, there's a bow fishing ordinance. I'm like, really? No, there's not. <laughs> He's like, well, it'd be cool well, if there was. Well, we don't like you bow fishing. <laughs> it's like, who's we? You? Because any other time I've been around here, I can see a cop car go by because my lights illuminate the side of your fucking car. Yeah, I mean, I've had you guys slow down and watch us for a minute, and then it's like I always find something small to shoot at, so you can be like, oh shit, they just shot at one. Right. <laughs> but, but no, dude. There's been times like, even here in towns, even on the Maple, dude, where I've literally got out of the boat with the fischetti to walk to the car because you don't know like. You're pulling up, your night vision shot because you've been staring into bright-ass water all night, looking at fish at fucking 10 yards tops. You get off the boat, dude, darkness is double dark when you fucking step off a 1,000-watt high-pressure sodium, dude. <laughs> or what are we running at them now? A couple 600s? We have that 1,000 tuned six. up. To, yeah. Brightest boat in the state. The brightest boat in the state. Just put that out there. But yeah, so you step off that motherfucker in the dark, and you're walking to your vehicle in the dark. You're literally using the lights of the boat if they're still on to, to get to your vehicle, just so your eyes adjust. It's like, who knows who's hiding? Yeah. I don't want to fucking... You gotta be prepared out there. I don't want to wrestle somebody because they want to try and teach me a lesson hand-to-hand in the fucking dark, dude. I've been riding waves all night, standing. Fuck, dude. And like I said, you get to that two in the morning where somebody's maybe coming home from the bar and then you're out back of their fucking house trolling by and they're all fired up. Or, you know, worst case scenario, their wife says, take care of that for me. (laughs) So, as bow fishing gets more popular, more people get in it. Does it help normalize it to people? Or do do you feel like people are getting (sighs) more entitled over the years, so it's actually just as bad or worse still? Brothers. All right. I don't want to get off on a tangent, so cut me off if I get carried away here, but... I think a lot of it, it's like social media, dude. The more people you have doing anything, you amplify everybody's voice. You have more people doing a certain thing. You're going to have more cunts, right? If there was 10 people that were bow fishing in the state, it might be an inconvenience, but it might be an inconvenience once or twice a year or for a month, right? When that person's shooting a certain area. When you've got a ton of people doing it. Not only do you have more occurrences where people are engaging, or not even engaging, but encountering somebody bow fishing, not even from the bank. We're talking about night fishing, where you're running your lights on your boat. You got more people running lights on water. So more people are, yeah, they're getting, in a way, they're getting more accustomed to it, but also you're having more of those... Um, like I said, not engagements, but you're having more scenarios where people are being introduced to it that may not 
appreciate it. They may not understand it. You know, they may think, oh, you're just shooting fish. What are you doing with them? Well, I'll tell you right now. You have a night where you shoot some fucking catfish, dude. I'm eating those fuckers, right? Yeah. Those those bay cats, dude, I think I've told you. I'm never going to eat another catfish that's not a bay cat. They're all getting released because those bay cats are something else, dude. They're not eating fucking dead deer that washed in the river. They're fucking, they're hunters, you know. They're hunting bluegill and shit. But I think that you amplify the amount of cunts, which means on both ends, you're going to have more people encountering, more bow fishermen encountering uh, people that are, Less friendly to it, but also you're going to have those assholes that they get drunk and they're antagonizing. They're pushing docks, they're bumping boats on docks, they're fucking shooting fish and dumping them so they wash up at a boat launch or they're dumping them at the boat launch. They don't have a spot to take them and dump them type thing, you know. Uh, what was it, a couple of years ago there was an issue because there were walleye. Yeah, exactly. Was, <laughs> what, what was that, 16 cats that we filleted? Yeah. Yeah. But you have one night where you've got, you know, a guy that goes out walleye fishing and he comes in after he found a walleye with a hole in it or something, you know. Somebody made a mistake and shot a walleye, whatever. But there was that issue where people were dumping fish at boat launches and fucking shooting, you know, basically anything. And when you have more people doing a certain thing, especially when they're not doing it for the right reasons, right? They're, they want to go out and drink with their friends. They want to go shoot. 200 fish a night because that was a cool story you know it's fun to just get into a pot of carp and shoot them it is fun but there's also a back end dude there's work not everything is just free right if you're going to do it you have to have the spot to dump them right but you also have to have the control when you're out there that you're not just going to shoot at anything that swims by because a lot of drum look like bass right and you don't want to shoot a fucking bass Right, especially a nice one that somebody right. later that day could go out and fucking catch, you know. You don't want to be the guy that's leaving trash at a boat launch. You also don't want to be the guy that's power loading his boat. There's a lot of pressure on people that own the boat as far as yeah. they got to have a spot to dump. Um, they're the ones, they got to <clears throat> basically have the know-how to run it. Uh, they got to have um, equipment. In case equipment fails, backup equipment, tools, everything's got to be loaded. They're normally the ones that are taking care of the fish and power washing their boat the next day. They are bearing the biggest expense with the fuel as far as your generator, your boat, or your truck. You get help, but the person who uh, owns the boat has got the biggest burden. and They don't run on thank yous. No. They run on gasoline and battery power. If people were educated more, they would definitely have a better understanding of why we're out there. Um, yes, for fun. I've never had a bad time out there, but also no. for the environment. So do you think it would be realistic to um, make it make it so more people were educated um, uh, about the bow fishing as far as maybe change the narrative to where it was government-sponsored? as far as dumping points, as far as we're helping the environment. Um, <clears throat> Honestly, dude, I think we've <clears throat> we've talked about this, obviously, off mic when we were thinking about running a couple tournaments. Um, yeah, get the youth involved. Getting the youth involved is huge because if you educate them young, right, they're, they're teaching the people around them they're growing up with, and then you also accustomate, 
accustomate. You acclimate a generation, they get more accustomized or accustomed to being around that, right? Like, right. like if you grow up in a in a city, and you hear that somebody hunts deer, right? You might have a preconceived notion that oh, they're just a hick. They go out and they drink beer in the woods. They this, they that. But if you're one, you tell them, well, I'm not a gun hunter, right? So that erases some of their notion. Then they're confused. They don't understand bow hunting at all. So then you have to start explaining to them, well, I do a lot. I'm in the woods a lot, right? I do a lot of scouting. I do a lot of work as far as setting up my stand, which being in that environment also makes me want to take better care of not just wildlife in general, but especially the deer. Like, I want my target to be there, but I also want it to be there um, healthily, right? I don't want a population of deer that are starving. I also don't want a population of deer that are getting hit by cars because there's so many of them. Yep. But I also don't want a population of deer that's struggling to be a population of deer, you know? Yep. I want there to be a... And that's, there's always a razor's edge with how many is enough. But I think if you get the youth into it, that helps a lot. Um, you also educate the older generation, their parents, uh, parents are usually a lot more lenient and understanding when it comes to their kids. So they're a lot more willing to hear somebody out. That's maybe their kid doing something than just some schmuck that lives up the street with a loud ass boat or a bright ass boat. Yeah. But also to answer your question about local government or just government in general, if you were to get, for example, we're in Michigan, if you were able to get the state of Michigan to have, and it's kind of tough because you can't have them everywhere, obviously, but let's say Saginaw Bay, because you know it's a huge spot for bow fishing. If you were to start there and say, okay, here's eight dump sites along the bay from Augress all the way to fucking Sandpoint, right? There's eight dump spots. You're leaving the bay. Sandpoint, uh, Linwood, or yeah, where's Augress at? It's uh, up here. So sand yeah, points yeah. about here. Yep. Let's say crease of the thumb. Yep. Uh, gray is about knuckle okay. of the index. So just north of Linwood. Yeah, it's about halfway around the bay. Linwood's about mid. Right. But yeah, so let's say you got let's say eight dump spots along the bay, and you know that no matter where you shoot, you're within twenty minutes, a half hour of a dump spot. One, there's no excuse for you to be like, all right. Now I've got this boat, I've got my buddies, but I have no place to dump them, right? There's some accountability there, but there's also an outlet. So you can incentivize maybe more people to bow fish that are responsible, that aren't going to shoot without a spot to dump fish. But also you you minimize, I don't want to say the bad look, but you do minimize the negativity of having fish just dumped yep. randomly. Right, You find a back road, you dump fish. You get out at the boat launch, you say, I only shot four tonight, so you just dump them. Right? Yep. You minimize that because on your way home, you might pass two dump locations. Or it might be ten minutes out of your way to go hit one. You know? Yep. Now, you also incentivize socialization because you might want to go to that dump site just to see what other people were getting into. Now you're hanging out at that dump site with a couple people that are dumping barrels. And you've got 10 fish, you know, and you can get maybe a little bit more information 
on how to better your success in the sport, which obviously location is one thing that a lot of people don't want to give up, but fish move, you know? So if you can learn like the patterns of fish or what to look for, uh, what not to waste your time shooting, that type of stuff, as far as locations, not fish, but that type of stuff, you maximize your success, which is only going to benefit the ecosystem. You get rid of those carp that are wallowing in the shallows, stirring up all the fucking mud, putting silt on all your bluegill and bass eggs, right? Which is going to make it harder for those fish to hatch. You thin out the dogfish population so they're not eating those fry when they hatch. Um, stuff like gar, okay? If you minimize the gar population, you are going to help not just bait fish, but sport fish, you know? Walleye fry, pike fry, fucking bluegill, you name it. You're going to give them a better chance. You get rid of some of the dogfish, you're going to give them a better chance. It's the same thing with pike. You know, you get a certain lake that has a bunch of hammer handles. At some point, we've got to put different regulations on that lake that say, hey, okay, instead of a 22 or a 24-inch limit, this lake has a 16 or 14-inch limit, you know. Right. Which is going to incentivize people to take more of those pike, which is not only going to limit the population of the lake, which is going to be better, but it's also going to allow the other fish in that lake that don't get caught to grow bigger faster because they're not competing for the same amount of resources with a higher population. You know, they're going to be able to eat more, which in theory, if you have two pike and you eliminate one, that one pike isn't going to eat two pikes worth of food, right? Right. But it is going to get bigger quicker, which is going to make it a a lot easier for you to bring that that regulation back to where it was. Whereas if you just keep, like, look at the flats with the dogfish, man. They drained that motherfucker for three years doing all that dike work. And the only thing that survived was dogfish and catfish. Like Clayton and I, Grandpa and I, we used to go out there and catch bluegill, bass. Water was clear as fuck. Weeds were still a thing, like, late summer, but... For the most part, dude, you control all of that. All of it. And now, it's weed choked, and it's just dogfish. You go out there, you can expect to just kill dogfish. What uh, what would you say to someone that's trying to get into bow fishing that doesn't have a spot to dump? Well, I would... It, it, what are they supposed to do? It comes back to... Not community, dude. It just comes back to being... Humble for one. When I used to trap, dude, I, I don't just have spots to trap. I mean, my grandpa grew up, I grew up on 40 that butted up to state land, okay? But other people use that state land, so I couldn't just go trap canines out there until, like, you know, nobody was running dogs, and even then it was an issue because I'd have to mark my location just because I didn't want to catch somebody's beagle, you know? If I saw anybody down on the corner, I'd just run out and ask where they were going as long as I was home. And uh, Chris would do the same. He'd say, hey, just want you to know that, hey, back in this corner is a couple, you know, coyote sets or whatever the neighbor kid set up. Cool. Thanks for letting me know. It just comes down to being part of the community, man. If you are if you want to get into it, you got to do the work. It's not just building the boat. It's not just finding the friends to help you not just run it but pay for it. Not just finding somebody that can tow the boat if you have the boat, right? It's, it's the whole thing. Like with my grandpa, I was fortunate enough to have property where I could dump. And, I mean, there's been a couple times where I didn't have that option. You know what I mean? Grandma was a little bit upset that there was fucking graveyards. 
Yes. <laughs> Dude, it turned into like a couple to mounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fine when we were only shooting 20, 30 fish a night, but. Then when it came to fucking fifty gallon drums being being dumped, one fifty, yeah, plus she, it started uh, piling quick, and then we're doing it every weekend. And then she was her her issue wasn't the fish themselves; it was the smell, you know. Being, yeah. But to answer your question, the biggest thing dude, is just knocking on a door and saying, "Hey, you know, I notice you have a lot of farmland. Do you think maybe you have a spot on this farmland, maybe along this ditch, where?" I see you have a tractor lane or whatever. Do you have a spot back in here that I could dump fish? And then that's the start. You get a couple no's. You've been told no your whole life, hopefully. A no's not going to make or break you, right? But you get a couple no's. Maybe you adjust your strategy a little bit. Like with trapping, I would, when I first started asking to it, I'd be like, hey, do you mind if I trap your ditch? No. Great. You go out and you set a couple sets. A couple days later... You go out there to check them, and they say, "Hey, I want you to pull your pull your traps." It's like, why? You know, well, you didn't tell me you were going to be setting up for mink on dry land. You know, I just assumed this, right? You didn't tell me you were going to be setting footholds for raccoons or whatever bucket traps. You start seeing buckets along your ditch because I'm putting two twenties in them back when that was legal. They had issues with the visibility of it. Maybe one of their kids walks the ditch and they see a couple dead muskrats. It's an issue. So then you start approaching them and you say, "Hey." You know, I'm a trapper. Um, do you mind if maybe I trap for a week? I set up some sets in your ditch for muskrat, mink, whatever. And then you explain some of the traps. You even show them some of the traps, how they work. Like I've had to set one tons a few times and show somebody how it was an insta-kill, you know, and they wanted that on their land. They didn't want me to set footholds that are going to hopefully drown a muskrat. They didn't want the suffrage, right? right. So it's all about the approach, man. And then you got to be willing to work if you say, all right, you know, Thank you for, if you get a yes, yeah, you can dump fish back in here. Offer to take the dude out, you know. Maybe in your approach you say, hey, uh, you know, I bowfish. I don't know if you know anything about bow fishing, but I'm pa- I'm a passionate bluegill angler. I like to bass fish. I really like pike fishing. I like all this stuff. And on the back end of that, I also like to bowfish, which means I'm shooting invasive species and other species that put, bluegills or whatever my other sport fish target is in peril you know i'm trying to better the the local waterway is there any way that you could maybe free up a hole if you have an excavator could you maybe dig a hole somewhere on the back of your property and then you get down to the nitty and you say all right so when is too late for me to dump fish off and when is too early yep curfew right do you don't want me out here at 2 a.m because you might not know who it is. Right. You might assume it's me, but you also have property. Do you want to text before I show up? Right. Do you want to call? And again, and, uh, do you want to go out one yeah. night and just ride on the boat? You don't have to shoot anything. If you do want to go shoot and you don't have a fishing license, I'll buy your license in exchange for you giving me a spot to dump. You know. And it's probably good to start with somewhere pl- close to home because no matter yes. where you go, you're going home. You're going home. Yep. It would. Uh, it's beneficial to go by where you're shooting because you don't. You can get the. You don't procrastinate and you can get it out of the way after you're done fishing. But, but on the back end, that's also a curfew thing. You know, if it's three o'clock in the morning when right. you're getting off the water, they might not want you out there. But that's again something to talk through. Is there bow fishing forums and Facebook pages that uh, openly discuss places to dump? Is it easy to find? Or? I don't. I don't. I, honestly, dude, I think everybody kind of has their own spot. I don't really think there's a community. 
I don't think there's a community dump spot, unfortunately. That makes it tough for people. Um, I've actually, when I first moved down to Portage, I, uh, I had times where I was digging holes in my own backyard. Yeah. Four foot deep to throw in some fish. And just cause I just, I just couldn't, couldn't go take it to state land and dump it. It just aggravates me. I couldn't sink them. I couldn't cut, cut the belly and sink them. That's one of my biggest pet peeves when I'm out there. You see one, someone might have clipped it, lived for a while. You just. Right. Or it whatever. got off. Yep. It got off. I mean, you see them here and there, but. We've had them. You, you get them on the boat and they fall them. in. That's kind of like, uh, I can remember there at the flats when they had 800,000 dogfish stacked up along the side. Literally 800 dogfish. It's cool. They got the dogfish, but. That Take place somewhere. stunk for three months. Yeah, like into April, dude. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... They took them out of the ice and... See, she let Daisy out. Mm-hmm. All that was, too, I'll just go through that strategy, is a couple old-timers. I was down there one day when they were doing it. They would just back down with a little fucking wagon, had all their shit in it, and they would literally chainsaw a hole. The one guy had a spud, and they'd push that block of ice up underneath. They'd sink the cake, as they called it. And... Light a cigar, crack a couple beers, and within fucking ten minutes, dude, those dogfish that were underneath the ice all year, the second they noticed that there was, I don't even think it was that they noticed, I think they could smell that oxygenation, because a dude was stirring the fucking water, too, with his spud. I think once they could smell that oxygenated water, they'd come up to the surface, right? The second they noticed, because I've shot them like that, too, you know, uh, early March, late February, where you start to get ice that melts along the edge you just keep walking up and down that and dogfish will be coming out getting air yep but that's all they would do is they just cut a hole or two the time i was down there it was just one hole it was like three guys and they just stood around the hole with a spear and every time a fish came up dude for air whack flopped him on the ice now that time i i'm when i was talking to him he said they usually filled that wagon it wasn't very big dude it was like Maybe a six by six toe behind, you know what I mean? Just on janky little tires. Yeah. But that year you're talking about, dude, they had two holes they'd cut, and it looked like they had a party out there with like 10 fucking people. And there was literally 800 fucking dogfish just laid on the ice, laid up on the bank, where you could tell that they would get a pile of them, and then somebody would move that pile a little bit so they could keep piling them. And when I was watching them, dude, I only watched them for maybe half hour, 45 minutes, because I was ice skating out there. And uh, while I was getting done ice skating, actually, it was probably two or so in the afternoon. And I was a little later than that. It was probably an hour and a half, two hours before sunset. So I want to say, like, maybe 3.30. And uh, they were literally just fucking one after another, dude. Dude would hit one. He'd be stepping on it to pull it off a spear. And another dogfish would... Dude, there would be times, like, three or four of them would come up together. And somebody would get a double. Just trying to hit one. And they hit one yeah. beside it that was coming up. Uh, it was phenomenal. And I appreciate that because, like I said, those flats, dude, I grew up on them. And the dogfish just kind of blew up. It was literally a couple miles from the house where I could go out and bluegill fish with my grandpa out of the canoe. Burn an afternoon. Go bass fish. Like I said, I used to go out there with Clayton, dude, when I started getting some independence. I'd load the canoe up. Go out there. Do everything. 
It wasn't even legal to drive. I might have been like 14, 15. Grandpa says, you know, you take the Jeep if it's just there. Take the Jeep, only a couple miles away, fucking load up, go out, spend an afternoon, two trolling motor batteries, paddle back because you burn the batteries, you know, trolling, catching fish all day. But now, it's all dogfish. And that's, that's the type of stuff, though, that puts a bad image on... That's not even bow fishermen. That's just spearing. But it puts a bad... Especially with people that don't understand the difference. It puts a bad image on uh, sportsmen in general. Because right. you're they take it as being wasteful. And it's hard to discriminate against who does what. It's hard to be like, alright, that guy's a bow hunter, but he shoots at everything. He'll gut shoot a deer, not find it, climb up in a stand the next morning, gut shoot another one. It's hard to be like, alright, that guy's in his backyard every day shooting arrows. He's shooting fucking... Dixie bottom of Dixie cup groups at 50 yards. Like, yep. you know, he's doing push ups, standing up, shooting his bow. So his heart's going a little bit just to simulate some of that fucking buck fever, or whatever, you know, that heightened that spike. It's hard, it's hard to differentiate those guys because we all wear the same thing, dude. We all wear camo, we all wear boots. Not all of us climb trees, but we all carry a bow or we all carry a shotgun doesn't really matter what it is it's we get thrown into a group it's hard to differentiate oh ryan treats his fish like this when he shoots them he treats the lake owners like that he treats the dock like this actually as a matter of fact while he's waiting for drill to back the trailer up or whatever you know if there's a couple people out he'll actually pick up some trash around the boat launch and throw it in the boat and make that his responsibility so that maybe down the road when it gets brought up that, hey, these people are trashing this dock or these boat launches, this one isn't brought up. Or maybe people see that and they say, all right, they're not all bad, you know. Like that day we gave that dude a catfish, you know what I mean? Yeah. He wanted to fucking hang out and talk and be like, oh, these these guys with the airboats come up and down this channel and they're fucking blowing boats around or whatever he was saying. They come up here with these lights and they're all loud and hooting and hollering and obnoxious. And it's like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, that's not us. Most of us aren't like that. And as a matter of fact, we can't turn these catfish in for this tournament. We're just going to take them home and flay them. Do you want one? Well, hell yeah, I want one. You know what I mean? <laughs> hell yeah, I do. And then you let, Did, you let him pick it, dude. Didn't he drive in on a motorcycle? Yeah, he showed up on a motorcycle <laughs> with his little puppy, dude. Side saddle puppy. <laughs> yep, yep. So he's dragging that catfish back on the back of his bike. Well, no, he, uh, he ended up that he got a... That little area, there's like an ice chest. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. Went, oh, yeah, that's right. He went and dumped a bag of ice out and put it, put in, it a in a bag and, and then put it the in the chest. chest. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's just little shit like that. It's like if you if you try and improve and make everything a little better, if everybody did that, it has nowhere to go but up, right? It can only get better. Yeah, right. But when you've got people that are going against it saying, oh, I don't want to drive out of the way to dump these fish or, oh, that was just one cigarette cellophane that blew out of the boat. You have everybody do that, and then you got fuck. Remember that time we found that cell phone? I do. Fucker lost a cell phone in the lake, and we dug it out of the lake, called him, right? Called his girlfriend or whatever it was. Got his fucking phone back to him, and what'd he give you? I think he gave me a $35 Visa card. Which he didn't have to do anything. He didn't have to do anything. Right, but, I mean, he lost his cell phone. He thought it was a loss. Couldn't find it for whatever reason. We found it. We touched it with a paddle. It, it, it lit up. 
three foot in the water, yeah. It was deeper than that. Yeah. But it fucker lit up, right? We got it out and then uh got him his phone back and it's like if if somebody else would have found it, they probably would have kept it. And I don't want to say that <clears throat> like negatively, but you just assume this guy counted his phone out as a loss, you give it a couple days, he's gonna replace it, right? Give it a couple days, you wipe this one clean, you have a new cell phone. Fuck that, dude. I'm assuming he was a bow fisherman. So yeah. I'm going to call him, right? This is a brotherhood. That way, the next time you're out and somebody wants to cut you off, you're tra- trolling the shoreline and they want to get around you and shoot ahead of you, whatever it is, you're waiting in line and some dude's being an asshole or, you know, somebody wants to talk down about your boat or one of your friends wants to give you shit because you didn't want to take him bow fishing because you can't explain that I can't take you every time, you know? Right. Whatever it is, just remember that there's, you have friends in the community, man. And a lot of times the community is your friend. You know, that's the thing is bass fishermen don't realize, dude. Those guys doing out, going out doing those walleye tournaments, they don't realize. Like, how many times have we seen people at the dock when we're going to launch and it's like, they're coming in from walleye. How'd you guys do? Oh, we caught a couple. How many is a couple? Oh, you know, four or five. It's like, really? That's it? How far did you run out? Oh, we ran out about two miles. It's like, why? I'm literally trolling the shoreline seeing fucking monsters all night. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no way. There's no way. It's like, dude, if you knew anything about walleye, they're coming in at night to fish. 1,500 one night. Literally, through schools where the we could The most we've ever seen of any type of fish out there. Yeah. Was it like 13-inch walleyes? Couldn't shoot at anything because you couldn't tell if it was a walleye or not. It was just... Yeah. But that's the thing. is That's part of the fun in it. But if, if, that, if those walleye fishermen would have taken us a little more serious, they might have learned something, you know? like the movement habits of those walleye in that lake, they might have learned that you don't have to run that far out, dude. You run to 20, 30 foot of water where they're staged until night, especially the time of day. The later in the day, they're getting closer to shore because they're coming in to hunt bait fish. But at the same time, I don't want them to think we're out there shooting those fucking walleye. I want to go out right now. Bow fishing? I know. We do got to wrap up pretty soon here. We're three minutes shy of three hours. Mm. Think we can make it? You got anything you want to say before we... Before we wrap it up here, um, no, this uh, being the first podcast, it was a pretty good experience. It's yeah. only going to get better from here. Uh, I didn't think I, it was too bad, man. I know you were a little nervous coming in. Yep. Um, didn't like, well, like I said, if you had anything you wanted to talk about specific for content, you could always write it down, bring it in. You know, it's not a guarantee that we're going to get in depth, but it's also not a guarantee we're going to cover it. But if you bring it, I have respect for it. You know, no agenda. We'll get to it. Um, that's, but that's the thing is like I, our dynamic dude you're my best friend fuck i've known you since what 08 09 08 09 yeah so there's what 14 years yeah literally almost half my life now so i i didn't think we needed a specific topic but i did want uh to bring up the alcohol thing a little bit cuz that is something that i know could and will help people you hear Daisy upstairs? Yeah. Just a fucking... Just hollering. Moo piggin. Moo piggin. <laughs> yep. But yeah, there's... I know that's something that'll help people, and it's early enough on that, you know, like you said, learn how to do it. We'll figure it out. You'll get a little more comfortable, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, at some point, you might have something you want to bring up. You know, something might happen in the world you want to address. Something might happen in your personal life you want to address that you think could help people. It's anything, man. Yeah. So it's literally no agendas. 
No, nothing. I just wanted to kind of have some conversation. I know. Just let it go. Yeah, uh, we needed to uh, pop the cherry. So, yep, it was kind of good. There wasn't any form like format we went off of. We just kind of talked. Yeah, that's how it will be a lot of the time. It was scattered. I mean, if anything, we might have a couple notes, something we want to touch on, but definitely no, no script, no anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So tomorrow. Three brothers? Three brothers tomorrow. Yep. Mm. As long as Brandon doesn't back out, Greg's in. Okay. Uh, Greg will be bringing the third mic. I I actually have four mics. Oh. I let him borrow two of them because he's going to try and get recording with Robin a little bit. She yeah. was she was wanting to do a podcast, so I gave him the Scarlet. But now that I got the new mixer, I'm going to actually give him this one so he can do the two mics on it. But he's bringing one of my mics back. I'm going to let him have the other one. Yep. That way he's only got to buy one or whatever to start. and So we'll have three mics for three brothers tomorrow, so the quality will definitely be up. That'll be nice. I as mean, far as audio, I'm not content quality. Can't promise to that. To it. That'll be a fun one. I'm probably going to post this one up first, though. You got to get Greg fucked up. You got to get Greg fucked up. I would love. Dude, I'd love to get Greg on just like just a half a cap dude, of shrimp, dude. Slip him, Just dude. dose him. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking drug him up dude, dude. yeah honestly dude good shot honestly dude you give him a give him a couple more and he'll be i think he'll be comfortable enough to comfortable enough to either have a beer or uh take a couple hits of whatever with brandon before we start recording that's but what you do you take a hit you take a shot with him Do you drink he will Okay, you tell him you're going shot for shot. He's kind of quit, but... Tell him you're going shot for shot, and then you just dupe him, dude. You take fake shots, dude. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. Apple juice, and then I'd give him honey jack. <laughs> yeah. Get him yeah. fucked up. Well, fuck, man. This has been fun. Yeah. If, did, uh... You want to give anybody a shout-out before we call it? Um... Anybody specific? I know you talk about AA and work a little bit. You want to give your sponsor a shout out or anybody at work? Tell them hi. That way, they maybe listen to Whistle Pig for three hours just until you say hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I called you out. I'm going to save uh, my work shout outs to when I uh, get into my work on the next podcast. Perfect down the road. Bada bing. Um, I definitely uh, shout out to Dave, my sponsor. He was uh, he's been a huge help on helping me understand the, the steps and myself and. Um, very, uh, fortunate to get his point of view. Um, I was, I was nervous about getting a sponsor. I knew if I wanted to take the program serious, I would, uh, eventually need one. And Mm -hmm. people I talked to was like, well, you want someone with the same personality as you. So kind of shop around. And the more I shopped around, I kept finding flaws in people. And like hypocrisy or what? Yeah. And then it just hit me. It's like. I'm not picking a date. I'm picking someone to help me go through the steps. Yep. Beautiful. That's a good analogy. And no matter who I pick, I'm going to learn something unique through that person that I wouldn't through another. So I walked into a new AA I'd never been into, and I called out for a sponsor. And the very first person out of the four or five people that raised their hand, I was going to pick for my sponsor, and that's exactly what I did. Faith. Again, putting faith in it. So shout out Dave. Shout out Dave. Want to leave his last name anonymous or? 
Uh, yes. Okay. Um, uh, that's yeah. part of uh, the AA program. Oh, okay. I didn't is... realize that the sponsor was also perfect. Um, no, perfect. you just don't want to. What you hear here. Yep. Um, what you say there must stay there. Yep. That's fair. All right. Shout so, out, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Yep. Uh, thank you for being there for Ryan when uh, he's yes, three hours you. away from me. <laughs> thank you for everything, Dave. Yep. And yeah, I guess we can wrap that up from here. All right. Good time. Well, it's been fun talking to you, man. I love you, and I can't wait to do this again. Yep, same. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Whistlepig. If you would like to support this podcast, please like and subscribe, rate and review, and follow on social media at Whistlepig Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. You can email questions or comments to whistlepigpodcast at gmx.com. That's G as in girl, M as in man, access and x-ray.com and until you hear from me again get outside take a kid with you and stay free